This episode is brought to you by Storyblocks. Storyblocks makes it possible for content creators like you to bring your stories to life without sacrificing your vision due to time, budget, or resources. Head to storyblocks.com slash 302010. That's storyblocks.com slash 302010. And let them help tell your story. Pixar's first princess, Disney finally has a popular alien and Batman uh, returns this week on 302010. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a little journey of the pop culture past 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Get it? Uh, from this very single week. Uh, we love doing this. It'll tell you where you were, what you were into, and what the big things were coming out. Movies, TV, video games, music, and, and occasionally more. Hey, look, we got a uh, softcore porn this week. Great. It's coming to theaters. Uh, <laughs> I am one of your hosts, Chris Antista. And I'm Diana Goodman, and Ohana means family, and Howley means gringo. <laughs> and I'm J.R. Rawls, and to lose one parent, Mr. Worthing, may be regarded as a misfortune. To lose both looks like carelessness. <laughs> <laughs> and it's an exciting week because there's some really, really, really fun stuff to talk about, and I'm saying like immediately in the first segment. Uh, we'll be looking at the week of June 17th to the 23rd across three decades, 1992, uh, 2002, and 2012, get it? 30, 2010. Tell a friend about the show. We love you. You know what else we love? Our patrons at patreon.com slash laser time. Uh, we're ahead of the game. We recorded our ET uh, anniversary episode uh, for our patrons only at patreon.com slash laser time. Jared and uh, Steve from Talking Terrific Television are joining us as well for a, just an immense discussion on ET that I was very happy to have. I think Diana said it best. Like, people just, yeah, ET, it's good, I think. Like, when did you watch it? Like it's it's kind of amazing. It's in, if you think of it as an out of nowhere movie based on nothing about an alien following another movie Spielberg made about aliens that is tonally wildly different. Uh, it don't don't it don't connect at all. It's it's kind of an amazing out of nowhere thing that the whole world fell in love with. And I don't other than like a Titanic, I don't really know when that happened again without being a franchise of some kind. Mm. But E.T. is oh, not even based a on a historical question. event. Sorry, that's classic corner territory. Diana will handle that later on in the show. Oh, let's get into 1992, as we always do. First off, June 17th to the 23rd, a little bit of news to tell you what's going on. Two skeletons, skeletons are excavated in, oh, God damn it. Uh, Yekaterinburg. Yeah, I'm just going to save you the trouble on this one. Thank you. you. I put in some names later just to fuck with you. Yes, so Yekaterinburg. Yes. I knew you were doing that. Uh, Russia identified as Tsar Nicholas II and Sarina Alexandra. And are these the people that have been missing for like hundreds of years? Uh, yeah, yeah. About 89 years. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so when the Bolsheviks took over, they murdered the entire uh, royal family. But they kind of like didn't make it a very public murder bolsheviks were did private murder who would have guessed yeah and uh so there was a lot of rumors floating around did anyone survive did anyone get out the answer is no uh they they killed them all uh they used dna uh from prince philip who was alive at the time and has recently been deceased uh, because he was a distant relatives of theirs so they connected it it is the romanovs 
their children's graves were not found at this time, right. and that led to the Anastasia rumors. But they were found in 2007, 203 feet away from this. Wow, group. really? Yeah. <sighs> so it, I, I know I'm stupid in imagining a metal detector that detects bones. But really, is there? Is, do we not have anything like that? Not really. You can do bound, the ground penetrated radar, and I'll show you. Like, well, this ground's been disturbed, and there's some things in there. Mm-hmm. But no, I think some of them. It was like they dumped them down an old well. It was, it was really just. By the way, nobody steal my idea for bone detector. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna make that's gonna be a billion dollar idea if I can get that app working. Yeah, I remember seeing a little documentary about this because the children were the ones that were like, I, 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 I knew about because. I'm a little kid during all this. Yeah. I mean, the Anastasia thing that yeah. started like in the 30s or 50s yeah. or, yeah, with girls saying, oh, I have amnesia, but I think I'm Grand Duchess Anastasia, the youngest of the girls. And like, yeah, y- yarn, though. Yeah, you're, yarn, you're, you're pulling yarn. a con, and I think by the end of your life, you believed your own con. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Oh God! Yitzhak Rabin wins Israeli prime minister's uh, the Israeli prime minister election this week, thirty years ago. And Yitzhak Rabin. Yitzhak and Rabin. Things work out super great for him for two and a half years, and then he gets shot to death. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, he gets a he gets a freaking Nobel Prize right before, so yeah. yay. <laughs> he, he's actually the first Israeli prime minister that I was aware of. This is just when huh. baby Jr. is starting to understand world politics and world JR, affairs and so cute. Huh. so there's this country in called israel you say well i'm sure it'll have a nice and peaceful history oh my god no okay um and 30 years later things are perfect uh mm-hmm. and then and then i hopefully well, just... i always say once you give up all hope of peace the future of israel looks really bright <laughs> uh, I swear we'll try and tone down these because we keep having prolonged discussions about the political media landscape 30 years ago. But this week, George H.W. Bush did a 30-minute sit-down with CNN. Still kind of rare for that to happen. Joe Biden just did it on Jimmy Kimmel. Hasn't done it with CNN. <laughs> Whereas Bill Clinton appears on MTV's first ever presidential forum. Uh, pretty meaningful. It's sort of, I guess, social media is the MTV equivalent of this generation Joe Biden, Obama popping up on between two ferns or something like that. Uh, but yeah, yeah, shift in landscape. They're reaching out to the young people. And this is when he gets the infamous question, boxers or briefs. He answers yes. it and he gets pushed back saying, you're running for the president. That's not dignified. Again, I didn't want anyone to assume I wasn't wearing underwear. <laughs> yep. The answer is neither. Neither. No. My but, boys are swinging yeah, free. But I mean, it was, yeah, reaching out to the young people, mm. answering questions that were not coming up in mainstream stuff, like gays in the military. Yep. Yeah. That was like not a question yeah. for a lot of people. It's just like, well, no, you shouldn't. Yeah, it's There's a given. We're not doing period. that, right? No one wants this <laughs> except kids and gay kids. Like, yeah. yeah. No, strangely enough, there are gay folks who want to be in the military and... Why don't we let them? Like Chris because Rock said, wanna, I'm not going to do it. Kiss their sergeant? What? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not doing it. Uh, let whoever wants to do it, do it. Uh, yeah. I don't want my kids doing it. I don't want my family doing it. And moving on to our movies of 1992, which. Uh, <laughs> so, we have two movies, and one of them is such a heavy hitter. Everything gets the fuck out of the way. And yet. And the other is about Batman. Ah, that's a joke for us and you eventually yet i like double and triple checked release dates to find out wait there actually is a movie 
coming out against <clears throat> Batman Returns, and yeah. it's this. <laughs> I mean, we've seen counter programming. I don't think you can get much more counter than this. No, um, no. I mean, these these if the films ever collided, the matter and antimatter would destroy our. Yeah, it's system. not. They are that opposite. Just a romantic comedy. It's it's not that kind of counter programming. I got something better than a trailer, which is way more appropriate for where most people actually saw it. Tell us, Rhonda. And our second movie will make your blood boil. What? It's Bikini Car Wash. It's a night of babes, bars, and bikinis. Only on USA. Up all night. That's definitely uh, all night. That's that brings definitely where I saw it, and, and maybe yeah. even you comedy. You weren't on day one for this in the theaters. I. <laughs> I can't imagine. Went to theater. What, do, it did, did. It's the thing. Did people go see Where? this with like sunglasses and a hat over their like face? Like, who's going to see? Who is going to see Ricky Brando, uh, Christy Ducati, and Joe Tusic and the Bikini Car Wash Company, which I thought I hadn't seen. And the second I looked at clips, I'm like, oh, I saw this a lot. Thank you, USA yeah. Network. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Mm. Up all night was running this in ski school. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yep. Bikini uh, Car Wash Two. I saw on HBO. They're so cheap and dumb and fun to watch when you're high and it's two in the morning <laughs> and you want to see some titties, but not really see some titties. It's it's like light titties. It's yeah. actually bizarre to think of these as sexual in any way. Just, I mean, maybe just because I'm looking Chris, at this like you are enamored in internet porn then because right. this is totally sexual. This is a uh, sex. That's the purpose me, of this film. It's just giggly children. Like they're just like. Yeah. Super exactly. young, bubbly. Yeah, like that's not se- sexy. A girl. There, there are some sex scenes in this film, though. Yes. there are scenes of having sex, and there's like nudity every five point five seconds, yes. and there is uh, bikinis. I think in every shot of this film. Okay, uh, quiz time. From the very first sexy montage of the girls sexily washing a car oh. to the second. Sexy montage of the girls <laughs> sexually watching the car. How much time in this film progresses? Uh, Three at, minutes. At least one Stan Bush song? The answer is two minutes, 30 seconds. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Because I wasn't clear on what the movie was about, even from the title. <laughs> so they need to show me women in bikinis washing cars every two and a half minutes, or right. else I'm going to lose track of what's going on. I, I don't know what's happening. It's classic filmmaking. They're showing you, not telling Thank us. you. Thank you. Uh, the, uh, uh, the main actress has a very interesting acting style, which I am positive <laughs> is dependent upon how much cocaine she did uh, before that specific shot. Because sometimes she's very sedate and very chill for no reason. And then in the next scene, she's manic again for no reason. And there is a scene... <laughs> I swear to God, where she does the coke sniff on camera. I don't. I don't doubt it. I don't. I don't. I don't doubt it because I'm not saying the actresses were from porn, but they were close. Hawaiian mm-hmm. Tropic models are in, in the in the male actors are very porny, very yeah. porny. <laughs> well, obviously, this is a very feminist film. Yes, because yes, the yes, male yes. actors. Women sexually dress and sexually wash female customers' cars. Ah. So you mm. know, yeah, yeah, everybody gets a little. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's written and directed by the guy who brought us Taking It Off. Hell it's yeah. follow-up, Taking It All Off. Oh, yeah. And Ooh. obviously the road movie, Taking It Off, Out West. So the director of 
the taking it off trilogy yes. is behind this film. Uh, you know, I, I really think three is misunderstood. It, it doesn't capture the greatness of one and two, but there's a lot going on in it. <laughs> yes, I do think internet porn made this kind of titillation pretty pointless. Uh, okay, counter argument. Yeah, sure. I decided to look this up. I tried to find on Amazon Prime Video bikini films made in the last 10 years. Mm. And this was remade. Way, this was remade. Yes, it was remade. I, sorry, I think I saw that. Yep. Yes, it was remade like in 2015, wasn't it? Yep. What? 2015, it... the all-American bikini car wash is a remake of this film. Is and it of just course because the 90s bikinis were so like they had the high legs so that yeah, you showed off your your thigh all the way up to like the middle of yeah, your stomach like more hip than ass. Yeah, is uh, the only reason to remake it is um, the styles of bikinis. Yes, <laughs> I don't know what else you. Would I, I guess unless well, you're like, really confronting like the housing crisis of 2009. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm going to throw this out there. Has there ever been a good bikini film? Uh, Doctor Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine. Oh, oh, I was <laughs> is that a real was, film? Yes, yes. and uh, it is really good. Well, because okay. it's it's a stupid parody. Yeah. Okay. But is there a good serious bikini film? Like Magic Mike, I'm throwing this out there, is <laughs> yeah. about strippers and it is a high yeah, quality drama. Cute. Is there any equivalent for bikinis? Ooh. I mean, I, I don't I mean cuz like what was that Jennifer Lopez Cardi B stripper movie everybody liked from a few years oh, ago? Oh yeah, Hustlers. So that's kind of the direction I was going. I was like flash dances all but no, not quite, but it's like you know, she's not a stripper. She's a dancer. So, yeah. There's also special effects in this film. It starts out with a flasher having a T-1000 type of view as he's looking <sighs> at people to flash. That's how and quickly this was made. <laughs> <laughs> and their intro has CGI graphics of, like, a fake Los Angeles. It, and it is the money. worst thing you have ever seen. It is just, like, eye-bleedingly bad. But... This is, you know, up there when it comes to these type of films. They're usually worse than this, I feel. Yeah, Stewardess School. So watch that a lot. That's not mm, a great movie. Yep. And just like, just that weird genre of film where like women will blow people to like solve problems and yep. <laughs> mm, well, comedically. All, all these girls get naked at a car wash. So I assume they're making car wash money. If they're willing to get naked, why aren't they working in strip clubs? Real. I mean, they're actually, okay, there are strippers in this movie, and I watched. They are the only girls not to get naked. Like, you <laughs> never see the strippers get naked, but no. all the car wash girls, you do. So, I just, again, I'm not going there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the strippers have to have a clean car to go strip at the wow. old folks' home because. <laughs> You know, that's how it works. Yeah, the cloggers canceled. Folks will not be happy if the strippers arrive in a dirty van. They're very <laughs> adamant about this. I, I still, I live through this and I still find this very weird. Like, how are you supposed to be, how do you go see that? I, I get maybe a porn theater. Uh, yeah. But like, what are you going to the AMC to jerk, <laughs> to like rub yourself what? for 90 no, minutes to Bikini no, Car Wash again. Company? Okay, I am being dead serious. What? The day before internet porn this was more erotic and you're not going in there to jerk off but you are going in there to receive titillation to put stuff in the spank uh, bank like you would yes scrolling 
Instagram today. Okay, that's what it yeah. is. You know, you don't always I feel like I'd rather draw master. my own tits than buy a ticket to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, but yeah, they're still being made. All American Bikini Car Wash in 2015, Bikini Model Academy in 2019, <laughs> Bikini Spring Break in 2012. Uh, you know, these are they, still. They are one of the most fascinating people I've ever talked to, but was too much of a prick to try and get on the show. Uh, these kind of movies are still were still his job, like uh, six years ago, and it's, it is fucking hard. And yeah, like 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 TV shows, like we were talking about Barry, you. It's not enough for Bill Hader to have a show. He's going to have to write and direct it too because we don't have the same kind of budget we did for television 20 years ago. And uh, <laughs> I forgot where I was going with that. Oh, yes, but he has to like not only be handsome, they all have to like move into directing and writing and producing because the budgets for these things are just getting their ankles <laughs> cut off because there's nowhere really for them to go. They can't go on YouTube. They can only go to Cinemax. And if they show up in a porn shop, they're worthless. <laughs> Oh, sorry. All right, we're done talking. Mm-hmm. This is separate from the erotic thrillers, though. I swear, my my yeah. passage with erotic no, I, thrillers. I, oh, yeah. I love the contrast here of something with no production value, practically no professional actors in it. Something that's just being churned out and thrown away and is disposable to a movie with the highest production values I have ever seen. All I could right. think about last week was Jr. talking about like the. The act, the sets on sets Scooby-Doo. On mm-hmm. This has the most biggest, weirdest sets of anything ever. I, I feel like that's the yeah. whole budget is just crazy. I believe sets. believe they Old simultaneously in that cloud, not just sets, miniatures and yep. matte paintings. Yes. I mean, and it's everything. Amazing miniatures that still blow me away to this oh, day. Yeah, I it, mean, it, it, I uh, cannot watch a CGI city from. 15 years ago without going, oh, this is a video game. But these miniatures, wow. How about, how about this? The, the seg- no one involved wanted to make this Yes. Movie. <laughs> and it's, well, it has that Gremlins 2 vibe. If you're going to make me make this by paying me a lot of money and giving me control, I'm going to make this this way almost to spite you. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. Now I want a uh, Keel sketch on the making of bat yeah <laughs> of batman returns with him going in pitching ideas and then we're going to have our comic book character uh tell all the kids that what he really wants is unlimited poontang boom and, that's in the film and then what if we open up the movie by throwing a baby in the sewer uh, <laughs> and then what if our bad guy okay. decides to become a politician by biting the guy's nose all right all right we haven't even said the title of the film the segue i was going to make bikini car wash company Mm-hmm. Porn theaters, jerking off, Paul Rubens, ah, Pat Hingle, ah. Matt Goff, Christopher Christopher Walken might be the most insane Walken. character in this movie. He's the biggest villain in the movie. Uh, <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer, Danny DeVito, and blink and you miss it, Michael Keaton. <laughs> yeah, they say this. They call this the Batman movie with the least amount of Batman. In it. No, number one at the box That's office. Fair. It is. For my money, the best of the original Batman tetralogy, Batman Returns. From the sewers of Gotham, a new villain emerges. From the rooftops, the perfect enemy comes to life. I am Catwoman. And the only one who can save this city is a creature of the night. Michael Keaton. What do you want? Danny DeVito. You don't really think you'll win, do you? 
Michelle Pfeiffer, Batman Returns, June 19th. Ooh, I just, this is like... <laughs> okay, so the villain in this is going to be the penguin, so he's going to be dressed really nice, right? No. no. How about we have him in a filthy onesie? I don't know where to start on this. Great, but, brilliant. But for, the, for the record, for the record, the penguin was created as a gentlemanly mobster. He is, he has no superpowers and he has no screw loose. He is just a criminal mastermind uh, who's more so than the movie. He's the guy who sends the thugs in your direction. Mm. But what if he was raised by penguins? Boom. It's in the movie. <laughs> yes, but, but in this. In a sewer. This... In a sewer inside a zoo. This falling apart, a decrepit zoo. Brilliant. That is, All right, pe- that is Penguin's history for 50 years. A dapper gentleman. You can see him in the Adam West show played by Burgess Meredith. Affected a quack noise. But like other than that. He's an aristocrat. This is the movie. Well, what if we made him a serial child killer? Yeah. <laughs> this is the movie Please, that... Cha- it's all a biblical reference to the story of Moses. Oh, my Moses. God. I'm never, never going to get Thank this out. You. This You're is, never going to get this out. This is the movie that changed what Penguin is. Everywhere and forever. Because ever since then, Penguin has been a grotesque, disfigured... In the Arkham games, he has like a fucking shard Coke bottle shoved into his eye instead of a monocle. Um, he, yeah. Ever since then, most mainstream depict and, and the Penguin took 30 years, almost to to the day off of, almost to the year off of screens. It That's In between right. Colin Farrell's wonderful Penguin. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, I really liked it. I thought, yeah. I, I, I hope there's a couple of people out there who didn't know it was him and I just informed you oh, that it's sure. Colin Farrell under that makeup because he's fucking great. I'm sure. Great. He's unrecognizable. I don't know yeah, why he We can to talk about him later. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, 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 that, uh, but Danny... I always talk. I love talking about unlikely movie stars, and I pinned it on Gene Hackman. Danny DeVito, above the title of a summer tentpole film, is the most unlikely movie star in move in Dude, cinematic and history. He fucking goes yeah. for yes. it he always more does. than almost anyone I can think of. I think he goes for it more than Heath Ledger went for it. Yeah, he is so goddamn committed to to that grotesquerie of a character. It is so I, disgusting. I he played that gross before this film. Um, I mean, in Taxi wasn't great, but I, it's not like... Yeah, he, he plays scumbags. Nose gross he, he plays and, sc- yeah. scumbags and, and lecherous people, but not like dangerous, I am eating a raw fish all over my face kind of gross. Yeah. Now, if you, like, at, if you look at Always Sunny in Philadelphia, he does this yeah. every week. <laughs> yeah. Still like, so was... His teeth are sharp and there's black goo constantly in his mouth. Yes. And, oh, God, his hair's so scraggly. I mean, what's, he's wearing a ton of makeup. It's just something like four hours to get him into it. And the funny thing is that all the shots with actual live penguins in it, they have to keep the set really cold yeah, for Tim, them. Tim Burton was adamant, so was... like, to... Yeah, he was the only one that was comfortable because he's wearing like twenty <laughs> pounds of foam rubber. So he's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm fine." And he went, ching, he is so sexual. I cannot. Oh, no, it's it's a, yes. it's a the horny, French horny man. trick. He wants to have sex all throughout this movie, and there's a scene where he and Catwoman are flirting. And they're on a bed, and then it ends with Catwoman licking herself clean. Jesus and then Christ. it cuts away. So I think we have to assume they did it after that. I mean, how do you go from flirting to licking yourself to just like, okay, send me the memo on your evil plan? Nah, nah, she's cock teasing him to, she knows she can lead him around by the dick. 
Okay. It's, all right. That's what I think. She knows what she's doing. I, I, this guy's easy. He's easy to deal with. We I, know what he wants. I hate being a white straight male because that means I am utterly immune to the powers of Batman movies. I cannot help myself. I love them all <laughs> pretty dearly. And I, I just really like how this mirrors kind of what happened to Christopher Nolan. I don't know Christopher Nolan <laughs> becomes Christopher Nolan. He makes a couple good movies. Then Warner Brothers has him make a Batman movie. And to keep him happy in between, he makes some of the the best movies of his career, which you, I would easily accept arguments that those are the Batman movies, but in set, like in hundred million dollar budget, high concept things that nobody would green light for any other reason. And in between mm-hmm. here, Tim Burton is making Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands. I think two of the, like the weirdest best movies of his career. And he already made, he'd already made Beetlejuice. He already before, made Beetlejuice. He did. That somehow got him the, Get. He did, but Edward Scissor Edward Scissorhands was a, Scissorhands was a, a fucked up movie yeah. that that like he kind of only gets because of Batman and like uh, he did not want to make a sequel at all because I'm if you imagine back then he had he probably had offers out the ass he could do mm-hmm. anything he wanted uh, and I think what he wanted was a little more creative freedom from Warner Brothers and their executives and seeing Batman Forever I think he got it I yeah, mean goddamn how do you look at this film and not go. Burden didn't take a single note from a executive. When, I mean, what is the executive going to say? You know, oh yeah, make this even more gross. Make this even more inappropriate. Make sure to make this so that all the Happy Meals toys we try to sell of it get protested yeah. because <laughs> the parents are so horrified, pissed off at your gross, drooling, spittle, sex-filled film aimed at children. Yeah. Just deeply, yeah. deeply nihilistic, and and if you've never heard Joel Schumacher, R.I.P. talk about making Batman Forever, he in this commentary is great. He's like, I just wasn't prepared for the amount of studio interference. I'd never heard the word toyetic before, but Tim Burton mm. had angered mm. Wonder Brothers with this film so much because, like, dude, we're supposed to sell merchandise and toys, and your guy is a monster rapist. You're like, what are yeah. we supposed to do yeah. with this? What? Oh, well, let's not pay attention to the monster rapist and we'll talk about the woman who is literally vacuum sealed into her yeah. outfit. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the one of the the best supervillain performances and I I think she qualifies as a supervillain I've ever yeah. seen in my life. N- nobody has topped this. And it, it's cuz it, it, it's it's it's, it's somehow campy and and believable at the same time. And there's little touches that you can see on the blue way blu-ray that mm-hmm. i haven't seen since theaters because if you notice as catwoman is getting beat up more and more of her costume gets yeah. ripped until mm-hmm. it's near tatters at the end mm-hmm. and there's yep. a great juxtaposition with her one and only one cat suit batman having like 10 bat suits yeah yeah i i that's one of the goofiest things in the whole movie there's the cross cutting between them both getting ready to go they're all they're both going to the same place and yeah. he's like got the cave and there's bridges and there's fancy stuff and she's in a vw bug trying to drive and put on this wet leather outfit at the same time <laughs> like honey no it's not um, yeah she literally had to be vacuum sealed into it yeah because it was so it's so like a cosplay exactly when you see her. a cosplayer in that at any comic-con you gotta know how hard it is to walk around in that thing. She could barely yeah. move. Yeah. And yeah. They, well, same for Keaton. Too. Oh, I, dude, I mean, it is. I think I've never seen this on my larger television. And that's why, cause like he looks 
he looks like he's in traction in most of the shots because of how little he can move <laughs> his neck. Pretty much it. That's what the costume is like. It, yep. Um, and then, yeah, the most important part, there was just an interview like a year ago with Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah, she's got her whip still. Yeah. It's just and sitting I, in her closet. A lot of the scenes she, she's doing. She's, she's like, wait, she's like, I'm going to try to crack it for you, but it's really dangerous. I had to practice for like months. And, and a, lo a lot of those sequences, she is one-shotting all those whip stunts. And that's pretty, yeah. that's like one of those things that like, they're never going to try and do this in a modern movie. This is really cool to watch. Yeah. And, and, and there is there is some culmination here. Like, there'll never be anything else like Batman Returns. No. It, it's, no, I cannot imagine any uh, Marvel or DC film giving the director the free reign that Burton yeah. had to be as Burton. I mean, look at the abandoned Gotham Zoo at Christmas time. Yeah. How right. can you more Burton than that? Yeah. It, yeah. It's, P.S. It's, this is so a Christmas movie. Yeah. Yep. And that's why I loved I loved a lot of the video games because they video games rarely have a Christmas setting, and this one sort of had to because hmm. it's a specific type of Christmas film, though. It is about the melancholy of Christmas. Uh, All yeah. three characters, the bird, the cat, and the bat, are having a Christmas. They are all lonely. They are all sad, and it stays that way. There is no <laughs> lesson learned about overcoming the Christmas blahs in this film. And so, nope. like, I, I, I guess Christopher Walken overcomes them by um, being electrocuted. I, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, this is my introduction you know, as a kid. This is my introduction to Christopher Walken. Like, who is oh, this colossal weirdo? Uh, so in an Albert Einstein wig, it just it didn't occur to me to watching it now. Like. He was pretty young here, but he's he's made to look a thousand years older. And, yeah. and it's, it's and, and I've heard people call this a German expressionist film, but like mm. really all you have to see is the cabinet of Dr. Caligari to understand everything about Tim Burton. And that is really like heightened to a hundred million dollar budget degree, uncomfortable angles and Oh, it's just so grotesque to look the upon in a beautiful oversized way. Oversized sets that people are dwarfed by the windows, by the doorways. They're everything is just an extreme. His office is like looks like the inside of a coffin for reasons. Like the whole thing is very chromy looking, which is cool. Mm -hmm. We're gonna talk about another it, movie that's very makes, specifically a, a silverish palette. It later. makes the first Batman look really cheap, and it kind of does because the, the original <laughs> Batman is a bunch of like subtle matte paintings and a lot of stuff not lit. It just filmed in a lot of big rooms. And this yeah. this says, fuck all that. We're building everything as high as we can, not only on the biggest set in Hollywood, on both of the biggest sets in Hollywood. It, wow. these set, I don't know if there'll ever be anything like these sets. And, no. And I no, like, no, you're no, on a green box. Look around at the awesomeness around you. I like this movie yeah. the second it came out. And it's just like, I was hyped for the first Batman because of all I really knew was Adam West and a couple comic books. As far as Batman goes, I don't think I've ever been this hyped for a film, and it I felt like at the time it delivered on every expectation, and it is the most fun to go back and rewatch, and please do it every Christmas. Annoy your children or your partners. No, I am not showing this to my kids. Really? Uh, no, 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 what, thank you. What's, uh, what's, what, what did it for you? What, what's the name? Uh, unlimited Poontang. You know, that's you that's a, like that's Danny DeVito. Whores. It's a major, major driver for the penguin. And then again, the gore, the yuck, the yeah, the general that, gross. That plot yeah. makes wonderfully no sense. Who's this grotesque, tiny person with a with the four fingers? 
I think he should be. He could be popular enough to become mayor. And mayor. how did parents decide to raise him? I, I think we have a clip that shows the penguins' origins after they found out he was deformed. By the way, they're the first person to appear in this movie, and I never knew this until like ten years ago. Is Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman, Dude. and the only time I, I think he reunited with Tim Burton. I remember in 1992 being in the theater mm-hmm. and everyone laughed the second he turned around. Really? I, yeah. I think really? it's pretty unrecognizable. Everyone clocked him. I didn't recognize oh, I, him. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah, I had to be told that. Uh, yeah, the Penguin's parents find out he's deformed yeah. and they make a very wise decision. The child was an outcast, so we did the only humane thing. We chained Hugo up in the attic like an animal and fed him a bucket of fish heads once a week. It saved our marriage. That is almost <laughs> what they do, though. Uh, they flush, they put their deformed baby in a cage, feed it cats, and then flush the baby down the toilet where he survives by being welcomed into the penguin I mean, this, this movie is so right. dark Which, and wonderfully it's so macabre dark because it, like he has a lot of good points here that like when he talks about being you know abandoned by his family because he's indifferent like he, that's fucking terrible you know what the what the but fuck then he's he got little flippers and that's serial the... child killer Again, not just in this it film is a moses story he is <laughs> yes. put in a basket and sent yeah. down the river and then he is rescued by people, not Pharaoh's daughter, but a bunch of penguins. And then he comes back and he tries to murder the firstborn of every household. Okay, yeah. but he does murder kids in the backstory. We see a clipping yeah. like uh, mysterious oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, child deaths go everywhere the penguin circuses goes. And speaking of circus, how is it that Gotham <laughs> has another clown-based criminal right. gang? You know, <laughs> it's like three years since the joker and, and suddenly they're just like hey is there any connection that we've got a bunch of clowns running around I mean, no? they, they okay. could they could have written that to have like thrown batman off the scent of oh these but, look more like just one line would have been like uh it must be the joker again like no it's the penguin wanting you to think it's the joker. Want it to be a sequel yep. and what is batman returning from <laughs> he's just back no, i'm baby. serious we can't just call it batman's back it sound like a 1950s yeah. song yeah, I mean, he's obviously still in the game. He's never left. He's just waiting for the signal like it's the only thing he has in his life, which I like that interpretation of Bruce Wing as a character, that he lives to be yeah. Batman. That's a great and angle. That's, the I, I yeah, that's oh. the best stuff in, in the movie is that the, the how Batman and Catwoman are both, you know, they, they have a duality of character and which one is the real one and like... They're both struggling with this, and we can struggle together. No, we can't. We're going to start fighting. Oh, no, we could get along. I don't know. Yes, if, if Bruce like, Wayne deserves to be Batman, then Selena Kyle deserves to be Catwoman. She's given yeah, enough. Yeah, and they go to a masquerade ball, and neither one of them are wearing masks. So, <laughs> <Too> <laughs> because they already are wearing masks of regular oh, people. Yeah. yeah. So one, one thing I like about Batman's villains is they always have some psychological aspect that Batman is fighting against. Joker is the agent of chaos. Batman is the agent of order. Poison Ivy is out to cleanse the world of impurities. Uh, the, you can go through every villain and they have some major psychological problem. Catwoman, though, she likes shiny things and she wants to take them. Okay. That's her fundamental Cat- Catwoman's character. a poor Batman. Yeah. So I I liked what they did with the Catwoman character in here. We have more of a reason for 
her behaving in this outlandish manner than we often get from Catwoman. Yeah, and we don't really get the the jewel thief thing, which seems yeah. like that's what most Catwomen right. they lean into. Yeah, yeah Catwoman really Cat in the films care. has been like played up as like a modern day Robin Hood, but without mm. Bruce Wayne's fortune. Mm. And and it's it sort of starts here because she is malevolently almost murdered and then consumed by cats. Uh, <laughs> uh, brought yeah. back to life by cats. Like, yeah, but not as directly as in the Catwoman movie where a digital cat literally breathes life back into her. That that movie is, is fucking hysterical. Sad. Yeah, it, it, Have <laughs> we mentioned the soundtrack yet? Because no, this is so good. some of uh, Danny Elfman's best work of all time. And this soundtrack is going to make a cameo in our final segment. Oh, awesome. Ooh. And I, would, I will, like when I watch... I don't rewatch these Batman movies often, maybe like once every five years. Batman, the first one feels much smaller than it did. And for me, it was like the biggest movie in the world. So it's hard to, you really got to look to see that. And it, it feels like this movie met Danny Elfman's music, which was big mm. as fuck. Yeah. It like, it matches everything that's happening much, much, much better. Uh, it's the greatest Gotham of all time. The yeah. combination of miniatures and matte painting makes this Gotham its own place, not just a copy of New York. It's a lot of the new Batman movies. Gotham's New York. That's all it is. It's also one, it's also my favorite Batmobile, the most phallic, um, the, <laughs> the one I I feel like I could swallow and smuggle into Mexico. Uh, I, I love yeah. the Batmobile, and that was what I clocked because Michael Keaton didn't want to return for the next one. Like you're just giving the villains all the good stuff to do. And I don't really do anything. He shows up in the beginning, does Batman things for the first less than 10 minutes. Michael Keaton doesn't show up for one hour in Batman oh, returns. One, one hour, hour, one wow. hour is when, is when Bruce Wayne appears again. Uh, or maybe, wow. maybe it was just Batman. I can't remember what I wrote down, but, uh, hmm. well, there's also no big fistfight between Batman and the Penguin, you yeah. know? Yeah, that wouldn't be fair. Yeah, He's got to deal with his uh, little Penguin army with the little rockets on, which I love. The combination so of the live penguins, guys in suits, and puppets are so, so, so good. Yeah. Baby I JR. love the Penguin army so much. Baby JR dragged his dad to go see this because, of course, he did. Mm. And... That's where it lost it on my dad. He was just out at that moment. Yeah. He was just like, oh, man. And I, I came out raving about this movie. And he liked the first Batman. Mm -hmm. But this one, he was like, oh, yeah. I, I think something. I, yeah yeah I could see that as being a step too far from people but it's like it's so interesting for me to go back and watch this with 30 years of so many superhero movies mm -hmm. trying all kinds of different things and it's like this has the grittiness of any sort of you know gritty version of a superhero movie but maintains the comic book look yeah yeah it's it's that weird balance that makes this special like nothing yeah. else it's all one it's all the other man because it's all juxtaposed with like peppermint candy cane christmas imagery and and, and reflecting off the snow of this dark blue constantly dark blue city <laughs> at the 15 minute mark danny elfman's score totally sounds like the beginning of uh cr making christmas, making christmas. Yes. yes did you I hear that, that too. yes i yeah. heard that too with like, I was like, oh my god, making Christmas. Like, I know what you're on about, Elfman. Yeah, he put that one in his back pocket. But yeah, mm -hmm. uh, 
And I, is, I, 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 don't, I don't remember the backlash. Critics liked this. Kids yeah. liked this. Studio Parents execs hated it. Kids to this film. Parents hated it. Hated it. Watchdog groups hated it. McDonald's oh, yeah. hated it. McDonald's didn't allow them to, I think, to make Happy Meal toys for the next Batman movie. They made those glasses, remember? Because, like, this, you're not making a kid's movie anymore. We're not putting this in Happy Meals. Uh, the, 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 the moment, the, the black blood gushing out of Penguin's nose at the end. It, there's no other way. To, I love it, but there's no other way to say that's That was fucking scarring. That was way kind of intense for, a, like, an 11-year-old to see on film. Visceral. I'm yeah. trying to think of a more visceral superhero film, and none's coming to mind. We lo- and they are, by the way, some of my favorite Happy Meal toys. When they they squirt the Ace and Gary Batmobile out of the center of the Batmobile, <laughs> uh, it's fucking awesome, fucking awesome. And, and uh, I think it's kind of the most Burtony Burton movie, just because yeah. he very Burton-y. he got to do it. Very Burtony, but for me, peak Burton what is uh, Nightmare for, Before Christmas. He had nothing to do with that. He produced it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, he put his name on it. It's that's uh, Henry Selleck's joint. Uh, oh, watch, okay. watch. Yeah, we're talking about another movie he produced in the, in the third segment. Okay. He should not have done that. But he but, shouldn't have produced it at all. But I'm only saying that because uh, I think Tim Burton, down the line, you could tell him no, and at this point, you could not. And this was the most no. valuable film franchise of the last decade, I believe. It. it Yep. An insane amount of money. And this movie well, also an equally insane amount of money. Yeah. Well, I think what it comes down to is they they decide, okay, we're not going to tell him no. He goes bug fuck crazy. And this makes so much money that he gets the ultimate no one tells him no project. Ed yeah. Woods' next movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's, that's a movie that should. Burton that's my favorite Burton movie. Basically should not exist because it is so niche and so it's weird. It's so niche in black and white yeah. and guaranteed not to make money at the box office. But yeah, Batman Returns basically gets Let's us to make the, Ed best, Wood. The, the best in Burton movie. And, and that's when I see stuff like this, it just makes me love Tim Burton again rather than roll my eyes at every stupid Dumbo Alice in Wonderland trailer. Grr. Yes, grr. Uh, it, grr. Sort of better than this. I don't know. You should see Batman Returns if, again if you haven't. It's on it's streaming on HBO Max, and they re-released them on 4K Blu-rays. I wasn't able to get this one in time for the show, but the transfer on the first one is among the best transfers of pre-digital technology. Movie shot with pre-digital technology, they look really fucking good, but it yep. still looks pretty great on HBO Max. Because if you haven't seen this on your on a larger television set set in widescreen since the theaters, do it. Yeah. Do it. It is so yeah. fucking fun. And yeah. If you haven't seen it in a long time or you saw it as a kid or, you know, whatever, it's like, this is what to look at it as a grown ass adult and go, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. This one's for children. Yeah. Uh, but this is so weird. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just as an adult with no children, I was just, I was just, I was uh, like banging my fist together and, oh, just so happy, so happy. But we got to move on. The television of 1992. Which I want to mention, just because this kind of thing would probably never happen now, because television, primetime network television real estate is very valuable, and there's not a lot you can do with it. Not in the summer of 1992, because on CBS this week, uh, in primetime, it is the uh, special, Robert Urich hosted special, The Bat, the Cat, and the Penguin airs. A half hour, hour documentary made about a movie that just came out in theaters that CBS doesn't own or have anything to do with. 
Yeah, I, I just remember uh, the David Letterman monologue where he was like, I'm trying to remember a joke from 30 years ago, but it was like, yeah, and I can't wait for the porno version, the bat, the cat, and hey, what's that? Ah, Letterman. <laughs> hey, ha, ha, ha. I'm doing my best Paul Schaefer. Um, but yes, that also airs this week and is on the Batman Returns DVD. Uh, it's it's a really well produced behind the scenes, and I, I just remember it vividly because that's how I learned that shit about Michelle Pfeiffer doing her own whip stunts. Uh, hey, how do you think Sean Young would have done as uh, Selena Kyle? It's difficult to say because if you see the talk show appearance she did, yeah, that's fucking frightening. You you yeah. may have been able to pull this I, off. I, I've I've watched the talk show appearance she did, and I can totally see why the Warner Brother executive who were like, "We are not hiring this crazy person." Yeah, but. If you want someone to play crazy, holy crud, is that a good I, performance? Yeah, Sean. I think she's doing a really good job, and she's obviously going over the top there. Yeah. Her whole thing was that, yeah, she went to the Warner Brothers lot to go talk to Tim Burton. Not entirely in costume, but, like, filmed herself doing it, and it was sort of weird. And then, yeah, she went on Joan Rivers' show and directly talked through the camera. Like, literally this. demanded the role. <laughs> yeah, well, because she kind of fucked over that they didn't even let her, like, audition for it because she was the original Vicky Vale. Right. And then she broke her arm and they replaced her with Kim Basinger. And mm -hmm. it's like, but she's better casting for Catwoman anyway. So, yeah. like, let her, give her... And then, Sean Young, by the way... She like, first refusal. Sean but, Young, better known as Ray Finkel uh, from Ace Ventura. Never mind. No. <laughs> uh, and 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 um, Annette Benning was supposed to be Catwoman. Oh yeah, and, uh, and, and, and got yeah, preggers. Yeah, uh, yeah. This, this... she would have done an amazing job too. But it's like, I don't. Did people know Michelle Pfeiffer had this in her? I don't know. J.R. No, but she was a name. She was a yeah. name. Yeah, I mean, like witches of Eastwick, I guess. But like most of the stuff she's coming off of. She's actually playing like a softer person, like compared to like what she played in Scarface, but married to the mob. She's like big and over the top. And okay. uh, I guess Fabulous Baker Boys is <laughs> she's this close to being Catwoman already. I don't, I don't, <laughs> so, okay, don't want to go. To, we, we tend to talk about the nature of the modern media landscape and the streaming wars, blah, blah, blah. But I had one last prediction for Batman Returns. Mm. Uh, Tim Burton's not making stuff the way he used to. Um, Michael Keaton is actually like back on the rise i love michael keaton uh i predict i predict criswell says there will be another tim burton batman movie made for hbo max perhaps following not not this anniversary but like you know if you haven't read about what's happening in flashpoint mm, i have not uh, well, yeah. well uh, they're not sure where ezra miller is now yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, the movie's I, done. I, I know Warner Brothers executives are listening to every word I say, so let me just tell them: cast Michael Keaton in Batman Beyond. Beyond. Just yeah. do mm -hmm. it. Well, go see Flashpoint, Jr. Um, did you see Spider-Man No Way Home? Anyway, uh, anyway, moving on. Don't read Flashpoint. Don't, you don't want to spoil the movie for yourself. Mo moving really back on to TV, nineteen ninety-two. Raven debuts, starring Stephen Root. Sorry, a joke for all the four Barry fans out there. God, that's a good show. Uh, so it pro probably won't work is audio because it's just a theme song. But the opening credits look like an absolute parody of the oh, you hell yeah. the opening credits, you'd be like, you, okay. You got bikini uh, babes, a fucking peacock turning the camera, a guy practicing with nunchucks. 
a bus to Honolulu. <laughs> he is not making this up, folks. Woo! Uh, check it out online. Hot chicks with it's boogie great. boards, ninjas, Raven. Oh, so man. Uh, when Jonathan Raven was 12 years Raven. old, his parents were killed by the Black Dragon. Oh, boy. Yada, yada, yada. Train hey. many years, martial uh, arts, uh, trying to find them, um, yada, 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 last two season. Yeah, if, you, if, if, if we haven't been clear about that this year, if you are a network television show debuting in the summer, it means they have no faith in you. And so otherwise, they debut you during uh, the fall. But uh, yeah, the Raven debuts for, I think... Uh, one season? I don't know. Who cares? Uh, up next, another show that didn't quite make it. Made it three episodes on the air. Uh-huh. Yeah. On so the this air. was the follow-up to Twin yeah. Peaks. Um, you know, uh, Twin Peaks had a lot of buzz, but uh, they said, all right, uh, we'll give you another show. And to bring forth my inner Jay Sherman, on the air was dead on the air mm. after three episodes. It's set in the fictional ZBC studios, which very subtle there, and is covering um, the early days of media, yada, yada, yada. Uh, 30 Rock is the model of how to do this good, and this did not follow that model. It's, I, I, there's few things that astound me more than the entire mainstream culture being behind a David Lynch property in the 90s <laughs> to the point where he can like get contracts from other networks to make new shows. David Lynch is like exclusively funded by like public television and French people like these days. <laughs> like this, like, yet he's got two network TV shows. Unbelievable. So there is a scene in this series. The only reason I can think to watch it is because there is a scene where the stagehands put a living duck into an electric chair to fry it to eat for lunch. <laughs> wow. Wow. I never saw this, but a show I watched almost every episode of, and I'm not really sure why. Uh-huh. Down the Shore debuts on Fox. I think it's just, it's like the only beach set sitcom I'd ever seen or heard of before. Set on the uh-huh. Jersey Shore. Um, yeah, three men and three women on the Jersey Shore. It's definitely proto Jersey Shore humor, although 1992 uh, Fox humor. There's, like, there's an AIDS uh, episode. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's weird. Yeah, it had an episode with AIDS. The like love guy who's always getting laid uh, briefly gets hospitalized and waits results for an AIDS test. Um, so what I remember you know, super, super, unbelievably vividly, so vividly, uh, well, I'll reveal that in a second. In the first episode, it's revealed that the schlubby, chubby guy who's Tom McGowan, character actor has been in everything. You've seen him in a million things. He reveals he's actually a virgin and he's talking to one of the women about like, I just never had the opportunity. And if I did, I'd I'd buy her flowers every day. I'd never say one rude thing to her. I would be everything she ever wanted me to be. I I just, I know I could be that person. And the woman sweetly smiles at him and takes him by the hand and takes his virginity. This is the first episode of this. So like, I'm a kid and like, holy shit, what? And also like, you know, budding pubescent kid, like, you can get laid like that by being pathetic? And yeah. <laughs> All, everyone knows. Cool. I can do that. I'm being pathetic a major turn on. That is. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I remembered yeah. it. When I, when I feel like overwhelmed by pity, that's when I'm <laughs> ready to go. Yeah. Now, my question is, was this woman played by Anna Gunn? I 
remembered it so vividly the second I saw Breaking Bad. I'm like, that's the girl who fucked the fat guy and down the shore. It is Anna. It was Anna Gunn. It was totally Anna Gunn. She looked exactly the same. Exactly Holy the same shit. one down the shore. And, and again, it's a Fox show, so it's a little more ribald. And there's the, like the cast wears swimsuits. Who who's used to seeing that young twenty something actors wearing swimsuits? I can't say it was great. It was just one of those things. Like I love The Simpsons, and this promo told me to watch it, so I'm not changing the channel. I love this Fox Network. It, uh, it, it would go on to last two fireflies. uh and this uh this week another world broadcast its first and only primetime episode on nbc named summer desire right before the daytime emmy awards another world summer desire it's daytime's hottest night of the year i am going to show you the time of your life when passions explode and lives are changed forever in a special mini movie event summer desire dude this is just a bunch of white people necking in this commercial it looks like it looks like (laughs) vampires uh, and then, ah, a wonderful episode of MST3K, the I think, public domain movie, Teenagers from Outer Space. It's where we get the cliched uh, Mylar suit with a V down the front for aliens. Uh, that's how low the budget was on this. Um, uh, but yeah, season four of MST3K has begun. We're going to have some real bangers that we're going to talk about. This is funny. Mm-hmm. It's not one of those all-time classics, but I'm always a sucker for 50s films on MST3K yeah. and I was wondering if that and sword and sorcery films I just eat them up I was wondering if either of you had a favorite genre for MST3K I mean oh, Japanese movies yeah Japanese movies. Uh, oh actually I, the actual too. best movies that they showed are the um shit like there's three Swedish Hamlet? no like <laughs> they're but they're like high budget Norwegian films that are like oh, no yeah, shit really yeah, good yeah, with yeah, great special yeah. effects they just didn't come to the U.S. and have no fans here. Oh yeah, those Russian Finnish co-productions. Yeah, are like beautiful. Tales. Uh, yeah, I, even delinquent films are always my. I lean towards those. You know, give me a girl's town any day. Uh, are you going to accuse your parents, Diana? Yeah. I <laughs> accuse my parents. Uh, kitten with a whip, but uh, uh, <laughs> uh but, yeah, teenagers from outer space is nice because it's like it's a little bit of both almost. And... It's kind of a space thing, and there's also uh, teenagers who are square and white and boring. Yes. And they are in love with suburbia. You know, in modern takes on the 50s, you're always seeing how sucky suburbia is. And this is not that view of suburbia. Yeah, Everyone that. loves the suburbs in this film. Like 95% of YouTube videos these days are like, well, here's a problem with this film. It, instead of actually shooting it in space, they shot it on a soundstage. Mm. Um, Thank you, Cinema And ms 3 k was covering that long ago. Guys, oh, thank you. You see, there it is. in real life, well, you're offered a free room and board until you can get a job and pay back your rents. In real life, if you're late with your rent, your room is padlocked and you end up living in a refrigerator box. In real life, your roommate is a beautiful young woman who fills your life with afternoon swims, moonlit drives, and the promise of romance. In real life, your roommate is a stinky high school dropout who fills your life with head lice, crusty laundry, and furry cans of SpaghettiOs. <laughs> I love MST3K so much. Uh, it's a great goodness, uh, and I'm so glad it's it a new episode I haven't seen yet. Let's let's end the show Ooh, as fast as we can. Either, yeah. <laughs> Um, just kidding. And uh, games of 1992, uh, Guardians of the Hood for ar- the arcade. This game yeah, needs this to be seen. Yeah, one of those league. games ah. where they're experimenting with shooting people on f- photos and then digitalizing those photos. So you're playing the ultra realistic. You know, yeah, it does not look good. It is. Um. It, it just looks more violent 
than any Final Fight game would because you've Mortal Kombated the, the the characters in there. I never played this until I started messing around with arcade games, and this shit is hilarious. Hilarious. Must go look at Guardians of the Hood. Uh, high stakes gambling for uh, Game Boy. These are like the fucking shitty Android app versions of Game Boy games where they cost twenty nine ninety nine. Come on, don't you want to simulate your crippling addiction on the go? Yeah, <laughs> but there's like 600 versions of this. <laughs> uh, in Panic Restaurant, at least there's an interesting spin. So um, we're at the end of the NES's lifestyle, and this is an excellent short platformer. Uh, it's end stage, so they know all the tricks, and they're getting all the tricks out of the NES. If I paid $50 for this in 1992, I'd be pissed. But if you're looking for an old school platformer to throw up and play, it's quick, it's fun, it feels like you're playing a food poison fever dream as all the uh, foods come alive in your restaurant and start attacking you. But uh, yeah, it uses 10 tenths of the NES's abilities and it's just plain fun. Once again, the American cover art for this needs to be seen to be believed. It is nightmare fuel. It is everything is warped. The, an old man's head, mustache, and mouth take up a majority of the box. It is grotesque. It's wonderfully, yeah, yeah. wonderfully nineties. Yeah. Uh, Googled it. Why did I it. do that? Yeah, the Japanese box art, of course, is subdued and sells the game a little better. But this was America, and we needed to uh, play it loud. Uh, Might and Magic for NES is also out this week. Yeah, a two D attempt at a three D dungeon crawler. Um, not a good combo. Yeah, stay away. And then books. I didn't know, realize this was that old. Um, Band of Brothers, the brand Band of Brothers book that uh, became your, you know, Dad's Memorial Day tradition on the History Channel. Yeah, uh, uh, written by Stephen Ambrose, he mm-hmm. was probably the most popular historian of the 1990s, which was just when I was getting into history. I read a mm-hmm. bunch of his books; they are highly readable. If you have the time, I recommend reading the book before watching the television sh- series. Um. It really gets into the details. You know all the characters. Mm. You know who are real people, of course. Uh, it's simply one of the best books about World War II that I've ever read, and I've read literally over a hundred. Damn. Not sure well, I... he's a dad. It's required. True. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Uh, and then let's uh, let's close out 1992 with a little look at the music that came out here, such as "Don't Sweat the Technique" by Eric B. and Rakim, which I still I swear here in commercials like every day. <laughs> uh, Black Pearl by Yo-Yo uh, Get in touch with yourself by Swing Out Sister Good Stuff by the B-52s Infinity Within by D-Light uh, Meantime by Helmet The One by Elton John and Utopia Banished by Napalm Death I'll Be There by Mariah Carey's number one so we're going to take you out with that but do not move there's a lot more to talk about 10 years from now in 2002 Are you a content creator like the good folks here at 302010? If so, I don't need to tell you how time-consuming it can be to go searching for that perfect video clip, image, sound, or piece of music to put the finishing touches on your latest project. How nice would it be to have a huge library of royalty-free content at your fingertips? 
Well, I have good news. Storyblocks is here to help creators like you bring all your stories to life without sacrificing your vision due to time, budget, or resources. Storyblocks gives you access to a huge, demand-driven library of 4K and HD footage, After Effects and Premiere Pro templates, music, images, sound effects, and more to give you everything you need to bring your stories to life. Assets are royalty-free, so you can use your downloaded content anywhere for commercial and personal use. Their unlimited all-access plan includes over 1 million assets in their library, including things like the background music you're hearing in this very ad. Whether you're a seasoned content creator or someone just dabbling with your first YouTube or Twitch channel, Storyblocks offers a selection of flexible subscriptions that fit every budget and scale to give you all the content and tools you need to focus on what's most important, creating. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at storyblocks.com slash 302010. Once again, that's storyblocks.com slash 302010. Coming into 2002 with two wrongs by Wyclef Jean off of Masquerade. Wyclef Jean, remember how, remember how huge his first album was? I don't even remember this album. Um, but uh, yeah, welcome to 2002, June 17th to the 23rd. Other new music releases include uh, Border Girl by Paulina Rubio. Oh, God. Bunka by Paul Oakenfold. Uh, Degradation Trip by Jerry Cantrell. Gravity by Our Lady Peace. Hard Rock Bottom by No Use for a Name. Love Hate Tragedy by Papa Roach. Uh, Pop Till You Drop by the 18s. Ready Mades by Chumbawamba. And Universal Truths and Cycles by Guided by Voices. Foolish by Ashanti is still number one. I did not know this had that kind of staying power, for fuck's sake. We haven't had to say anything else for like almost all of 2002. Nope. So there's a bunch of movies to talk about here, um, and starting with one, I, the one I wanted to sort of see most, because this person was not a huge star yet. No, this is totally like his indie breakout, and yeah. according to Catherine Bigelow, this is what got him Hurt Locker. Mm. She watched this and was like, oh shit, this guy can do stuff. He's eventually Hulk guy, but Bruce Davidson, Jeremy Renner, and Dahmer, the Jeffrey Dahmer yeah. movie. Which yeah, is, it's, you know. this is an interesting version of this story and that they don't go through everything it is told sort of out of order a lot of flashing back and kind of explaining stuff and really is just a portrait of like what kind of person could do these horrible things and the answer is an isolated loser yeah it's <laughs> such a cliche but cliches but... become cliches for a reason you know this is the true story jeffrey dahmer really was like that and a lot of spots in this film you're going to be well obviously that may obviously they made that up but nope mm-hmm. fairly realistic as movies like this go fairly real to the real story uh i mean the real jeffrey dahmer story is just pretty insane yes. it's it's yeah. yeah uh jeffrey dahmer didn't really want to love anyone he wanted to possess them yeah he didn't even really enjoy killing the obvious comparison is someone who hates the fact that they do drugs but keeps doing drugs and he wanted to own people and collect them and if he just would have picked up magic the gathering instead he could have had a fun life 
<laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's so so much of the yeah. He wanted to have someone that would never leave him, mm. and uh, the answer to that was instead of you know get a dog, you <laughs> can uh, instead it's kidnap and drug people and like pour acid into their brains to try to turn them into zombies, and then eventually kill them and consume parts of them so that they're with you forever. Ooh. Yeah, no, yeah. Jeremy Renner does an a really really good job because like yeah out of all serial killers i feel like Dahmer's one where it's like you can have the tiniest bit of sympathy for him like you you kind of understand like a little bit it's just the the level of feeling that the rest of us have at like a one or a two got at a 10 or 11 and it but it's like you understand the logic of how he's getting to these places hmm. to mean, the most horrible things possible uh. yeah Dahmer, 2002 yeah, I, I, it's uh, up it's there one. in the list of best movies about serial killers. Huh. Yeah. Huh. But uh, here's, uh, shockingly, it's a wee bit disturbing. Yeah. I don't but it's it. not like exploitive in the way that I was a little worried it would be. So, um, yeah. You could have easily made this a worst film. I don't know how you could have made it better. Mm, yeah. And, yeah, I don't know. But um, world's hardest pivot. <laughs> um you know who else will also went to jail but he didn't deserve it uh, uh, kind of did why they were underage oh that's right someone were underage yeah uh, yeah we got uh, patrick godfrey edward fox anna massey tom wilkins and judy dench reese witherspoon francis o'connor colin firth rupert everett hey Vern, it's the important of being earnest and why don't you think I'm not going to say that? Everyone saw that coming. Uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, my quote from the start of this uh, episode was from the importance of being earnest, both the film and the play. And the play and the film, above all, are about wit. You know, yeah. these characters are mainly witty delivery mechanisms. You know, the romance in this story is not that deep, as shown by how the two separate female love interests both regarded as utterly important what their love interest name is um yeah. that's like the killing point for both of them yeah. so and i feel like that's it that's part of the plot because it's basically a farce in a lot yeah. of ways that it's like yeah people put really stupid obstacles in each other's ways and then they find clever ways to get around them uh, so this is the first time I've encountered this work of fiction. Never seen really? the play in the wild. Oh. Never saw another movie version. Fell in love with it. I, I've always been a low-key fan of Oscar Wilde's uh, from the picture of Dorian Gray. Um, and I saw another one of his, which I really like, blanking on the name. But to me, he is such a bridge between the Victorian era and modernity. He is still enjoyable today in a way a lot of his contemporaries are not. And one of the things that I love about as a Victorian writer is he kept trying to shake Victorian society and say, don't take yourself so seriously. Don't put on so much airs. And that was not the message the Victorians wanted to hear. <laughs> the Victorians wanted to hear the message, we need to be more repressed we need to be more uptight. That is what their literature at the time was really telling them. And to me, whatever the 22nd century is going to 
criticize us in the 21st century for, I guarantee you it's not what we ourselves are criticizing ourselves for. It's going to be something we're going to miss, and there's going to be some obscure guy or gal writing plays, novels, films, shouting at us to do X, and the future is going to look back and then go, yeah, that's what they were really missing out on. Oh, can you believe in the 21st century they didn't let gorillas vote? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to oh, be so-, so backward. Yeah, it's true. No, Importance of Beaners. I love Oscar Wilde's comedy plays. They're wonderful. This is uh, directed by Oliver Parker, who also did a version of Ideal Husband in 1999, which I think I prefer more to this. It is a lot of fun. But like Rupert Everett was like built in a vat to do Oscar Wilde plays. Like that <laughs> is his wheelhouse and this is uh, there have been a bunch of films of importance of being earnest it's probably the best one it sticks pretty much to plot i think they cut a little bit here they add a little bit there but it's pretty much it and it's just wacky and fun and i guess my only complaint is lady bracknell is a character that's often played by an older dude in drag and here it's judy dench who's done it apparently had been playing this role for 20 years and she's supposed to be like the old battle axe and she'd already been a battle axe for 20 years at this point and that's 20 years ago god damn judy danch but she rocked the role i liked oh, her she, performance she kills it yeah because her job is to just be like Ew. yeah oh you're so that that's yeah no importance of being earnest it's it's one of the the best versions of this i think it's a lot of fun but yeah i gotta throw in for an ideal husband that that wouldn't it's a little more obscure and uh i think it's it's not sillier but it's somehow it's a little bit funnier for me i don't know yeah they're both a lot of fun mm. uh, you know it's not fun yeah. speaking of drag here lil kim jennifer lewis genuine uh kim wayans tommy davidson kevin pollock vivica a fox and miguel nunez jr Yes, of Friday the 13th, Part 5 fame and Return of the Living Dead. I love that guy. Uh, Joanna Man is out this week. Oh, boy. Boy, does this... In our current moment, where some people are having the biggest of conniptions about trans people in sports, <laughs> is now a good time to talk about Joanna Man, truly? You know, that's... Oh, cup! It may have been about ten years ago. Diana, you were a part of a couple of shitlord screenings. We would have group bad movie screenings, and mm-hmm. I'd say the really deep bad movies were watching things like Juana Man because, like, those aren't fun. Like, no, bad comedy is not fun, even in a group and you're high. Yet, I remember <laughs> watching this. Like, I expected a bunch of tasteless shit that didn't hold up very well. I think, and I may be misremembering the sequence. This is a movie about a guy who dresses up like a Mrs. Doubtfire's a WNBA basketball team. Yes. Uh, and there's this sequence where like is it a cop or and I'm like, okay, this is the sequence where the straight-laced white guy falls in love with the dude in drag that happens in every one of these movies. But I think he was like, nah, he's like and he like reveals I like to do I like to trust dress too. And like, and like, whoa! I didn't expect that movie. Holy shit! A joke from here that can hold up. Holy fuck! Um, mm. But no, it's not good. It's just like I was shocked by like how not like wildly offensive it was because it isn't. It's just bad. Yeah, yeah. I I appreciate that it does the thing that the best drag comedies do, which is the 
man becomes a better man by pretending to be a woman. Mm. And he, he learns empathy and he learns the struggles that women face. Mm. You see that from some like it hot through Tootsie through everything. And so, and that's true. Like in the end, he respects the, the WNBA players so much more and what, how hard they work and what they go through. I don't know. Even at the time, but like it's not very it's funny, not good. And I, I was just theorizing years ago, didn't bother looking into it. Like, this was a dumb idea, even for 2002. And I was the only way this project should have got in motion is if the WNBA was somehow wanted to be involved in it. Which no, which they, I don't they think didn't. They would have. Which no. they no, but they didn't. They didn't, and you can see why. But it's just like, why make this movie otherwise? Who would want to see this? It's just such an awful idea. And I, and I drag hope drag movies are a genre. I guess, yeah. I guess, and, and and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then for the yeah, actual, I, I don't want to talk. Yeah, about me neither. This. I really want to get onto our our number one and number me two. Me too. It's one of my. They f- are wonderful, it, and I'm so happy. It's one of my favorite casts of uh, at least this week. Uh, Kevin Michael Richardson, whom I love, Jason Scott Lee, Zoe uh, Caldwell, Ving Rhames, my best friend Kevin McDonald, who I met a few <laughs> weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> David Ogden Stiers, Tia Carrera, Chris Sanders, um, Devay Chase. Little Man, Davey Chase. She's so little. It's Lilo and Stitch. Lost. Paradise found. How? Walt Disney Pictures presents. You sure it's a dog? I think it might be a koala. A story of friendship, <gasps> family, and finding your place in the universe. Ohana. Huh? Ohana rules. Nobody gets left behind. So you're from outer space. I heard the surface choice. Disney's Lilo and Stitch. You ain't nothing but a PG. I got, I love this movie Uh, so much. Now I, I couldn't show them all because there's a bunch of them and they're too visual, but there was a whole ad campaign that were scenes from other Disney movies. And then Lilo fucked shit up. And I advise you to look them up online because they're so cute where it's like the scene from Beauty and the Beast where they're dancing and, uh, and they're singing the song. And then you just see the stitches just like crawling along the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And then he makes the chandelier almost crush them. And they like storm off. <laughs> I'm like, get your own movie. So I want to hear what you got. Oh, I, I like this. Like, I saw this movie maybe a little later, and I'm obviously not the demographic. I don't know if I said that on this show or to a friend. I am a big animation fan, big Disney fan, and I used to make it a point to see every animated movie ever made. And I just didn't realize over the course of the last few years that became impossible to keep yeah. up with. <laughs> but it was so easy to do in 2002. Yeah, it was, it was- Easy to do in 2002 and impossible to do in 2022. Yeah. Um, but I love this film. Yeah. I think Lilo is one of the realistic, most realistic children uh-huh. Disney has ever animated of all time. Yeah. Uh, that's because she's weird, but it's understandable. She lost her parents at a young age. So we sympathize with her, even in her weirdness. Uh, we can understand she's operating from a place of tragedy at a very young age, and that makes us sympathize with her. Uh, the animation art style is very different from the standard Disney style. Yeah, it's, 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 the, it's the closest resemblance to Emperor's New Groove in that like, yeah. the big scenes are the space alien stuff, but most of the Hawaiian stuff is very subdued in 2D and but beautifully colorful, like in a way that Disney movies hadn't been in a real long time. Yeah. And I've had so strange that they said, like, we realized that, you know, we wanted to make kind of a fairy tale, but all fairy tales take place in like 
Germany. You know, they're always like in the deep dark forest of Zipperazer's Grimm. It's like, why can't we have a fairy tale in Hawaii? Hawaii is pretty and colorful and yeah. we can do stuff with that. And so, yeah. yeah, it's in Kauai and it's very grounded in like Hawaiian culture and pointing out like, yeah, you live in paradise, but you still got to work. Like yeah. you're still about to lose your house. Things are tough, man. It's, you know, you, yeah. you can be poor and live in Hawaii and it sucks. <laughs> I don't believe uh, it. I've had multiple Hawaiians tell me this film captures Hawaii better than any other film they've ever seen. Yeah, me too. And actually, one of my favorite things about this is I didn't see it because, you know, I'm 22. You know, I'm not going to see Disney movies by myself, and most of my friends don't like what I like uh, in this area. Uh, and it was the, one of the first Disney movies where, like, there was a straight to video sequel within months there was a season of television next year like they really had faith in this and, and, and yeah. there was there's multiple sequels to it and it all happens in a very short period of time but my favorite thing about it i watched the movie I'm like this is great more people should see it and i'm living in florida and then i moved to california which has a much higher asian population and, you, and it just showed me like oh yeah there's other than milan there's no fucking disney movie that where kids look like Lilo that they can like and stitch was fucking everywhere in California. And in, in, in a way it wasn't in any other state uh, that, that stitch was represented very well. And it has held up even better is in is well represented to this day in ensemble Disney stuff. And in the parks in a way, nothing from this Disney era is from meet the Robinsons, to treasure planet. Uh, yeah, if if you go to the Polynesian Resort at Disney World, uh, Lilo and Stitch is still huge there. And if you Maybe if you go recently, to the Polynesian Resort, please be a patron. That is not cheap, and you have the <laughs> you have the excess money. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I've been to Disney World a couple of times. Usually, stay at the Polynesian Resort. It's just my favorite area, and it is covered in Lilo stuff. I'm sure. Moana has kind of replaced it, but I doubt. No, it's I don't think so. Race. I think I, I think they'll, they'll probably share it, but like Epcot in particular has been very cool with that. Like Coco is all over Mexico now, um, yeah. and it's just awesome to see. Like, uh, it's awesome to see Disney making movies about cultures and places that actually represent Epcot, which yeah. they hadn't really yeah. done. Yeah, and I mean, really caring uh, about the culture. Yeah, I have yeah, friends who are part native Hawaiian and. Yeah. Oh my God. They love this movie so much. And yeah, I love, I, I do. I also really love Lilo and that she's yeah. a, a recognizable little kid. She doesn't look like a cartoon little kid, like a typical cartoon. She little looks kid, like you know? stitch almost she's exactly really, on purpose. Yeah, She's really, you know, short and stubby and she, her nose is really flat and wide. And, you know, she's not cute in the usual kawaii kind of way that yeah. stuff is. Yeah. It's, a lot, not as much as Emperor's New Groove, but this mm -hmm. felt closer to Warner Brothers than Disney. Because it's funny. In a lot of ways, it's, it's 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 supposed because to be it funny. It has a lot more funnier physical humor and, and a yes, lot of just, heart. The relationship yeah. between the two sisters is so intense because oh, so you know good. they share such a lot, such a loss together. That seeing them try to make their situation work when it's really not what either of them planned or wanted can be heartbreaking at times yeah i know and tia carrere does a really good job yeah. as the older sister like i i really felt for that character more than i felt for a lot of other animated characters because she really is just like 
trying to keep it together and it's fucking hard yeah i'm sure i'm sure the worker is not the bad guy the social worker is not the guy who's like i hate families i want you (laughs) to be in an orphanage he's just like this may not be best for her and we have to think what's best for her right i i i can't say enough wonderful things about this movie and sort of wish they made more things like it and i guess maybe now they sort of are uh, just smaller, more personal stories that aren't meant to be franchised, or it, like, because Disney that doesn't have a lot of original stories, right? Yeah, this isn't based on any fairy tale, not even on the level that uh, Lion King was based on Hamlet, and that was a bigger departure for Disney in tw- two thousand two than it is in twenty twenty two. I think you know, yeah. I, I think in a way, you know what this is? This feels like more like a Pixar movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that if, if I, I what I want to point out as a lifelong Disney fan and you know armchair historian, uh, it's one of the only Disney animated movies set in the modern day. The yep. the the tw- I think like the seventeenth or twentieth animated Disney movie was Hundred One Dalmatians, and that is the first Disney animated movie to show a television and a car. And I don't even know if they're representing the era of which it was released. That is All that right. is the most modern. No, I I know what they are because like for me, what I love to go back and watch now is the Rescuers because the mm-hmm. Rescuers is like the first movie set in modern animation. Takes so long and is so uh, uh, consumable by multiple generations because it'll always look good. It'll always feel, and so Disney kind of makes it a point to to set it in a bygone era or the future. So it stays timeless. So I love the rare outings where Disney's like, no, we're setting it right in the year we're releasing it. That's when this is set. Sometimes do we just feel it's the past because it was released so long ago? Like Dumbo. Yes, was Dumbo. Yeah. It's set in the past. Yeah, it's it's set in like an old worldy, like turn of the century circus situation. The Aristocrats, the Aristocats is 1941. The Aristocats is 1910 for almost no reason. But if you if you go back and watch like Oliver and Company, like dude, that is an eighties movie, eighties ass movie set in the eighties, made in the eighties, and it's a fucking great time capsule. And I think because of thing, how things like Oliver and Company look, how seventies rescuers looks, uh, they steered away from that and still kind of don't do that. Uh, but Lilo and Stitch is just like this bold, like yeah, we don't care. If, they're not taking all these corporate notes that say they have to reach everybody. We're going to tell a personal story about these Hawaiian people set right now in a fantastical situation. And it, and also as somebody who loves old Disney shit and aliens, they never really got a foothold with aliens of any kind. Uh, they have, they have, there's the cat from outer space and <laughs> flight of the navigator. You got stuff like that, but it didn't take the foothold. Disney didn't have like anything remotely sci-fi that was considered classic until Lilo and stitch. That's one of the reasons I love it too. Yeah. I can see that. That makes sense. Uh, and it will become a very fun ride at Disney World, Stitch's Great Escape. Yeah. Um, I feel like this, it's kind of, yeah, I hadn't thought about the sci-fi element because it turns out like, oh yeah, there's a lot more alien stuff in it than I'd remembered. Because mm-hmm. I, I only watched this like a couple of years ago, just like, yeah, my friends told me it was really fun. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it takes place in Kauai. I went to my honeymoon in Kauai. Yeah, let's check it out. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but I, I feel like the, Maybe there, there's sort of a balancing going on because it's like all about, you know, these sisters mm-hmm. and it's like, st- like Stitch kind of brings in the boy audience because he's like a terrible totally. little brother. Yeah, they were four. <laughs> well, he's, he's, if, E.T., yeah. if E.T. was gross, not quite get yeah. a life gross, but uh, gross nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, that's. 
Yes. And, and, like and only, only, like, yeah. Only to if, tie it together. Uh, if ET was a little bastard. If you, if you <laughs> never, uh, Disney a long time ago was going to partner with Fox and make a ride based on Alien, as in like the Alien Three Xenomorph Alien we just talked about. Until like the, hmm. there was even you know if you went on the great movie ride in MGM yeah. Studios, there was a Disney World Xenomorph in in the <laughs> ride, um, and and. I think they got taught. They're like, there's no fucking way we're making a ride based on a rated R property. It became George Lucas's extraterrestrial, where you sit in this uh, observation tank and they they bring you a captured alien that then breaks out and you can feel his breath and hear him running behind you. And it's fuck. It was a little much. And then they got complaints from families like, we're not going to take our little kids on this. And they changed it to Stitch. Yeah, and made it more family friendly, and it was awesome and wonderful. I don't think it's still there, but uh, no, it closed uh, back in 2018. Yeah, so Stitch Stitch is one of the more recent Disney creations to get an attraction. Like that time, you usually needed to take 50 fucking years to <laughs> to to be classic enough to get an attraction. Stitch jumped the line, man, because of how pop. I, I, I was an adult, so I couldn't really gauge how popular it was with kids. It did well at the box office; critics liked it. Uh, but yeah, I love that it's had this longevity and it's just this seemingly small thing sandwiched in between all these like would be Disney masterpieces. Like, like, uh, what's around it? Um, I forget, but like, uh, you know, no one's talking about bolt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bolt. Uh, Ooh, uh we are going to talk about a Disney film set in the present later this year that is widely popular. Uh, it's got to be Race to Witch Mountain. Um, <laughs> also, also good aliens. Uh, but Lilo yeah. and Stitch, if you're an adult and haven't seen it, you will not hate it. If no, you're a no. parent who hasn't no. seen it, your kids are going to love it. It's it's yeah, really good. It's, I, it's not like any of, of of Disney's other stuff. It really isn't. Yeah, I I saw it as I was probably forty. Or so, and I was like, this is. Why did I sleep on this? I love this. Why this is, is it fun. so hard to get Kevin McDonald into a voice role? Why is it so hard? <laughs> and why is he only aliens? And Invader Zim and completely <laughs> in this. Because he is frustrated because he wants his water hot hot. Hot hot. I want my water hot hot. With the high voice shaking the finger. Of <laughs> And I love that the whole gimmick for how they're protecting Earth is they've convinced the intergalactic communities that mosquitoes are an endangered subject and therefore they should leave us alone. <laughs> and I think I think if I, I I do like to occasionally track down original movie posters, like Diana said about the marketing campaign. If you don't remember the original poster, it is just Stitch, no humans, and classic Disney characters running away from him. <laughs> Belle, Aladdin, Dopey. Uh, Pinocchio all running away from Stitch. It's a great official movie poster. And you, you know, you think you see that all these characters together in official art all the time, but you kind of don't. It's, it's a little rarer than you'd think. And this was like in every multiplex in every mall. And, uh, yes, yes, Lilo and Stitch was changed to be a little more, uh, alien to not have 9 11 reference or <laughs> reminiscent footage in it. And, and, yeah, and you, can still... you can look up that on YouTube and in yeah, a mindset. That's a yikes. And it sucks because you know they were making that movie. I think they started the mid 90s because, like, oh, yeah. process yeah, is a it... decade long. And yeah. there's a, a chase sequence with a spaceship, and it originally took place in a city between skyscrapers. And you look at it now, and I don't, you know, I honestly don't think you'd even like 
think about 9-11. But like, you know, in 2002, less than a year after the towers fell, you did. And it had to be altered very quickly at kind of the last minute. And it is also, did you not see its most famous new alteration for Disney Plus? No. In the beginning, um, where did you guys watch this? Um Disney a Plus? A long time ago. Okay. I didn't yeah. rewatch it. I'm sorry. A oh, no, while okay. ago. I uh, like it. Disney Plus. Um, it multiple times. So it's, it's why I like, you know, not throwing away my Blu-rays. Uh, in the opening, in the opening, Lilo runs into the dryer, uh, the dishwasher. Oh, right. Ooh. And they, uh, when oh, it came to Disney Plus. Yeah. Not a, yeah. She hides in the dryer and they're like, that seems like that's something a child could do and then get killed. Yes. Yeah, so they, yeah, they, 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 like they I mean, reanimated it to be, it's a lot. pizza box as the lid that she's climbing into like a hutch of some kind. Okay. Um, so nothing that clasps, uh, but that, that's why the last time I saw this making headlines, but it, it should make more because Lilo, I, I really love Stitch's design. I think he's a fucking wonderful character. I love, pl- I have one plushie of him. Because you know, I got to yeah. control myself. Uh, but <laughs> but I, I love the character. Anyway, moving on to the number one movie, Patrick Kilpatrick. That can't be a real name. That sounds like an anime. Uh, <laughs> Neil McDonough, Steve Harris, Samantha Morton, Max von Sydow, Colin Farrell, and Tom Cruise in Minority Report. Detective John Anderton arrested the guilty before they committed a crime. I'm placing you under arrest for the future murder of Sarah Marks. Until he saw something he wasn't supposed to see. You're in a lot of trouble, John. <laughs> no question. Now, to prove his innocence. He set me up! You can't run! He must solve the mystery. I have to find out what happened in my life. The FBI found something. And defy the system. Don't trust anyone. Just find the Minority Report. Minority Report, rated PG-13. Mm. All right. Shout out once again to the trailer music stolen from Come See the Paradise, which we talked about in what, like 1990? That music's everywhere. I believe Because it's so good. Anyway, Um, uh, this is one I did rewatch, but, you know, I had limited time, but this is one that's like, you remember it. I go watch it. Holy God damn, is this better than I remembered it? Yeah. Why did I remember it as being like, it's fine? Because. And then I watch it again and I'm like, that was amazing. Spielberg's post ET alien sci-fi stuff has been largely not very memorable <laughs> and not very beloved. And I think Minority Report kind of gets sandwiched in there a little bit. And he, Spielberg was making like two movies a year at this point, so it's like <laughs> also not special in that regard. But like a movie with twenty-year-old effects shouldn't still look this good. A competent oh, version really? of the it does, yeah. A competent depiction of the future as well, which means that these people really worked hard on what cars are going to do in this. <laughs> well, I don't know. They, they state the year that they're in. Uh, twenty fifty yeah. something. Twenty fifty, mm-hmm. and and yeah. and how on the fucking nose they are about other things like targeted advertising, mm-hmm. which we fucking laughed at in the theaters. <laughs> Meanwhile, it might be the downfall of everything we are as human beings because <laughs> of how, yeah. And it went with uh, retina scans instead of facial recognition mm-hmm. technology, but, you know, that's there. That's, I wouldn't shock that's... me if uh, within a decade you walk into a store and it just knows who you are by your face. Yeah. You know, I'm always worried about that oh. as someone who uh, casually scams Walmart. Like I have their app and like, oh, they probably know the second I set foot in the store. You can see everything I didn't didn't pay for. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the thing is, it's a lot easier to change your face than it is to change your eyeballs, mm. which we go into detail 
in this fucking movie in some yeah. really gross scenes. Uh, and, and there's like a scene where Tom Cruise's drug dealer has had his eyeballs just ripped out of his face. Mm -hmm. I mean, geez. Yeah, I mean, the, robot spiders coming after you and eating gross food because you can't open your eyes. Oh, it's so nice. One of my it's favorite, uh, one of my favorite gifts in internet history is that scene where Tom Cruise is chasing around his eyeballs and they just put original Mario Kart racers over the eyes. <laughs> and he's just chasing little Mario Karts. All the way. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Tom Cruise plays a broken man. His son was taken from him and he doesn't know if his son is alive or dead, which is a horrible state to be in. So he really goes into the precog predicting crime before it happened because he doesn't want what happened to his son to happen to anyone else. And you can really see his journey through the film as he himself gets accused of committing a future crime. Yeah. And this being Philip K. Dick, it does such an amazing job of playing with this. I mean, yeah. free so will. Many, yeah, the philosophical questions of like, yeah, is it right to punish someone for something they haven't done yet? If you know they're going to do it, why let them do it and hurt somebody? But. Yeah. And is it, that right? Yeah, free it, will versus uh, pre predetermination. And, it, and if I may, just to bum yeah. everybody out. No. I was reading this thing from a psychologist about mental health and mass shootings, mm -hmm. and like you know, right now, certain let's say cowards are blaming mass shootings on mental health issues. One, mental mentally ill people don't really commit violent crimes. That's not really a stat that exists. Uh, uh, two, there is no diagnosis, there is no psychological diagnosis for whatever the fuck it is that school shooters are. Incels, mm -hmm. loners, uh, I want to make a name for myself. There is no psychological classification and no medication for that. And two, if you make mental, men, the mentally, she was talking, if you make mentally ill the barometer for what causes a mass shooter, are you going to give us the authority to Baker act someone who exhibits signs of being, do you really, mm -hmm. before they do anything, you're going to put that up to, that, like we'd have to widen our authority times a hundred to incarcerate people and judge them for things they didn't do yet. And then, and I'm like, well, I'm so glad I'm watching minority report this week because that's, <laughs> that's the conversation that you have to have. If you're blaming mass shootings on mentally ill, this guy's got a trench coat, lock him up. <laughs> he, right. Like, yeah. what are you yeah. supposed to do? Well, there are different laws depending on your state on how easy it is to lock up someone for mental illnesses. And there are different laws. I know way more about this country. now than I ever have before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so it is something that's out there. Um, but it really yeah, isn't. You have to be so much of it is based on being an immediate threat to yeah, yourself. There, there really is. There is not. Big and this is three people lying in goo see yeah. you committing a crime <laughs> in but the future who have an amazing record because they have eliminated murders from washington dc uh at the time of this film washington dc was one of the highest crime rates of the country we still hadn't had the massive fall in crime that we've experienced over the last 20 years that it had started but not get reached its current levels uh, what if what if the precogs film, what if the precogs eliminate murder? What if the precogs did. didn't know shit, and just the idea like, ooh, I just thought about murder. Get that out of my head for the precogs have me have me arrested and put in jail. What if they didn't know anything? Yeah. How do you prove that they knew anything if it never happens? Because yeah. it doesn't happen. That's how you prove it. You prove that murders aren't happening. It's not in good DC. evidence. 
therefore uh this system is working and that's another thing that this movie does yes. bring up which we're making it sound like it is it's uh, a bunch of guys sitting around talking when it's actually very action heavy yeah. but yeah. uh yeah the idea of like which is more important you know like being just or being right mm -hmm. and, and right is morality versus like the common good and if one person suffers for the common good is that better than everyone suffering a little bit if just one guy gets suffering gets all the suffering like there's yeah philip k dick was an interesting guy who mm. had big thoughts and this movie does such a good job of keeping all of the philosophy and the questions that you can talk about right also just being an exciting movie about yes. a guy getting chased by cops yes it's yeah. to me it's like that whatever that thing robocop does like the subtext and the bigger conversations are there if you need it but if you mm. don't need it, it's a fine action movie. Yeah, but, but I mean, subtext to me is the spice that makes it an amazing film. I, 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 mean, I, I, I just it's, it's two things. It's it, the it's the futurism. Yeah, yeah, and and the the philosophical political discussions you can have because Spielberg's coming off of AI, and I think he just really had futurism on the yeah. brain. And again, he did the same thing as he did with AI. Is like let's go talk to a fuck ton of experts yeah. and have them just have a big conference and try to figure out like. What's the future of architecture? Right, because I was yeah. I was in my twenties here, so I was young enough to care about thinking about the future other than my immediate future, and I'm always in my head trying to design better roads. And I still think, in terms of transportation, Minority Report has we should not be free will driving on multi lane freeways anymore. We should get onto a track, and it should take us where we want to go, and then we pull off that off ramp, and then we start driving. Naturally, you should in your car, Diana, on your way to work and fucking the Bay Area, you should be driving onto a clip and not thinking about mm -hmm. where you're going for like the instead you got to drive and then our roads get fucked up. And they even put them over buildings. You can just relax on your, in your own little train car on your way to work and then drive into your own driveway if you live in the country. Beautiful. Yep. It's my I, favorite but, transportation. But it's also talking about like the the overwhelming surveillance state yes, like when yes, people yes. talk about self-driving cars and that you should just be able to summon a self-driving car and it's like people who think that have never been on a bus because <laughs> someone's going to piss in there and tag it and leave trash and it's going to be and there's going to be like a homeless dude sleeping in there or whatever it's like but they're also under such an incredible surveillance state that they can't get away with that because it knows where you are at all times. And they're like, nope, Bob's the yep. one who pissed in it. Everyone go arrest yep. Bob. We have a video of Bob pissing in it, and we have his retina scans, and we have his tracker ID phone, to, which he used to call the car to piss right. in it. So, yeah, but again, like, is that true freedom? No one has any privacy. Every ad people walk by talks to them by name. There is zero privacy, and that's what makes this... It kind of in a weird way goes with born identity that we just talked about because mm. it's a man on the run in yeah. an amazing surveillance state this is a super futuristic super advanced surveillance state but it's the same thing of like how the fuck do you get anywhere how can you run when mm -hmm. literally you can't go anywhere without something scanning you and, and pinging and that's why I like still my, my favorite scene is uh him with samantha morton who's one of the precogs because she can see the future essentially telling him like take two steps forward, the balloons are going to blow. Oh, I love that scene. That yeah. blew me away at the time, and it it's absolutely so holds up. It is just like, oh my gosh, this is what it would be like to do the future, all the permutations, all <laughs> those small, tiny variables just falling together like this. Ah, 
Ah, yeah. Rube Goldberg machine in real life, in real time. Yeah. Mwah, kiss. So, so good. And just visually, it looks so I different. Love it. Yes. It looks, it's like all chrome all the time. And this computer stuff, like, I feel like that's the enduring image that people have of, of him doing computer stuff in the air, waving his hands around. It's so cool I, and very I, plausible to me. I just pulled that up for uh, my fellow former game journalology writers back in the day because when we motion controls were all the rage minority report was kind of the standard this is what we'll be doing with gesture based controls and it'll work like this instead I'm flipping a pancake and hosing down a horse uh, 10 years ago (laughs) on the Wii and this is not what I want this is not the minority report future I wanted Um, let me ask you both a question what do you think of the ending where precog ends and uh, he gets uh uh, reunited with his sweetheart. Um. Well, considering that this is Philip K. Dick, and that it was also kind of in development hell because it was supposed to be a sequel to Total Recall, <laughs> one can argue that didn't happen. Yep. Can we play the clip, Chris? Yeah. You're a part of my flock now, John. Welcome. It's actually kind of a rush. They say you have visions, that your life flashes before your eyes, that all your dreams come true. And then Tom Cruise is put in the thing where all of his dreams come true, and then a secretary manages to rescue him from the prison with all the murders in D.C. in it. He manages to free the three precogs. He manages to prove the murder scheme in such a way that he does so publicly that it ends the use of pre-crime. He then he reunites with his ex, and then he has another child. Now, which is more likely? <laughs> All of that happening, or he's imagining it because he wishes it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's that uh, again, not to Rick and Morty everything, but it's simple Rick factory lost in your greatest memory. Simple, Rick. <laughs> but, uh, another point in the favor of it all being a dr- happy ending dream is that that's when the narration starts. There was no narration mm-hmm. in the film until after he goes into that happy dream factory. And then the narration starts, just as if he was telling himself. This right. Story. That's why I get it so confused with AI because they have that Kevin Spacey narration sort of pop up at the very end of the film. Hmm. And this took this came right after AI. I just read on Wikipedia yeah. and I couldn't prove it. Like AI was such a dud. Like let's play down Spielberg's involvement. Let's play down Spielberg's involvement in this movie. So it's not all over the poster or it's, it's a Steven Spielberg oh, film. No, some of the ads, they say Tom Cruise, Steven Spielberg, mm-hmm. Minority Report. Like Steven Spielberg's the co-star. Yeah. Well, that's a huge combo. We should mention yeah, this. This is the first yeah, time the first those time. two stars have ever been involved in any project ever, which, you know, wow, of course, put them together. It's also in like, I, I'm glad, uh, again, on our Patreon, patreon.com slash laser time, Di and uh, JR and I and uh, Jared and Steve are talking about E.T. Uh, and Steven Spielberg, I think, is sort of like offhandedly associated with sci-fi. He abandoned the entire genre for 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. Uh, give or take AI, which wasn't his project. It was trying to get his friend's project out. 
and he comes back to it with my, and I think he comes back to it on occasion, but I think Minority Report is his most successful following Close Encounters and E.T. That's the best Steven Spielberg look at the future or aliens that, yes, returning to sci-fi, which he is like, is like so not, unless you consider Jurassic Park sci-fi, Yes. Isn't a huge you can no, no. which which isn't uh, a huge. I mean, it is, but it's I don't know. It's just not set in the future, but it's science fiction of technology, sure. all the okay. way. Um, but yeah, like uh, he's synonymous with a genre, but really kind of abandoned it for two decades and came back with Minority Report, and it is solid, solid. People don't miss, don't not see Minority Report because you hated AI as well. Because I yeah. AI is great. You're wrong. This is one of those years where yeah, uh, Spielberg comes out with two movies and you go. Are you shitting me? You did these both in the same year. How much work really? is directing actually if you can do two of these? How? <laughs> how? Yeah, uh, I'll just spoil it right now. He starts working with DiCaprio and Tom and Tom Hanks again. And Tom Hanks. Yep. And that movie also kicks out. The highest budget yeah. in that is Fedoras. <laughs> <laughs> Pan Am stewardess uniforms. <laughs> uh, I love that movie too. Yeah, Minority Report. It's it's one of those it's just yeah. Hazy memories. Oh yeah, that was pretty good. And then rewatch it. it was like, it's good. I I want everyone to go watch this so we can talk about it. And uh, world on a global level, like incredibly successful in a way Spielberg's movies had not been for a while. So twenty years later, he's relevant again to not only the box office but sci-fi. It's fucking cool. Yeah, and action. And action. There is really good action in this. This is the highest grossing Philip K. Dick movie of all time. No shit. Wow, more than, I don't, more than total more recall. Than total recall. I, I think total recall wasn't a bust necessarily, but it was it was supposed it was poised to be Terminator 2 and wasn't. Mm. Uh, but Total Recall is the best Philip K. Dick film of all time. Yeah. JR wants to say it like, yeah. Well, unless we want to talk about Blade Runner on I'm not a Blade Runner fan. I'll watch I'll watch Blade Runner twenty forty nine before I'll watch Blade Runner. Right. Ooh. Ooh, controversy. But I'm just telling I'm telling people to watch Minority Report. And also I, I wish Spielberg would just like sometimes just like stop making movies and just have a podcast. Cause Homeboy has never <laughs> done a movie commentary ever. Still won't. Still won't do one. And I respect that. I guess, but like most of the podcasts I listen to now are people who aren't relevant to the industry they became famous in, but they talk about the thing they're most famous for. I think whenever Steven Spielberg talks, now the headlines like, "Ah, oh, he's trashing Marvel movies." Like he wasn't really, and he's right. But he, and he wasn't trashing anything. He just said they're just like yeah. westerns. These things come and go. He's correct. Yeah. He's he's not shitting on westerns. He's shitting on streaming models because like that's not how he makes movies. He makes movies in a harder way than most streaming movies. Uh, but anyway, like uh, Spielberg sort of was for almost my entire life synonymous with movies and now is in this weird area of irrelevance where, oh, I'm here day one in a Spielberg movie and there's no one in the theater. Not one mm. person. Um, uh-oh. Well, was it West Side Story? West Side. Because oh, that's just a theater. very, very different. I was, I was thinking, I forget, it was it was a Laser Time listener, but they were they went to go see Bridge of Spies and like, I'm at Bridge of Spies on opening day starring Tom Hanks and written by the Coen brothers. There's nobody here. Uh, yep. Things are a changing. <laughs> well, them suckers, because that's actually a pretty dang good it's movie. One of his better films, yes. But but, yeah. but Minority Report is is just like that popcorny crowd pleasing. Like clearly, it 
met that audience, but like, yeah, it's, it's one of those, I, I actually, last time I had like anything like cable, it still gets run. Cause like the effects hold up well. Uh, yeah. It doesn't feel like a 20 year old movie at all. At all. Minority Report, ladies and gentlemen. Minority Report. Uh, do we move on to television? Why not? Um, Alienators Evolution continues. Uh, wait. Alien, <laughs> Alienators <laughs> Evolution continues. The show ends. Yes. There we uh, go. So this was based on the bombed Evolution movie, but because animation takes time, it came out after it bombed. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear. God, terrible. Um, and, uh, w- the one thing I really wish I watched, cause I'm not sure if I had, this was kind of a big deal in television history. Cause you know, these things don't really n- ever need to happen again. Thanks to streaming, but, uh, FX broadcast mm-hmm. the lost episode of married with children, uh, entitled I'll see you in court. It could kind of happen. Streaming services pull for sure. stuff from their uh, episodes. They, they do, but they, like those episodes are available for purchase on iTunes. You can pirate them. This literally was unseen by anyone, and right. okay. for for twelve years, this Married with Children episode, and it's. I thought their most controversial plot is when they all go camping and the women's period sync up. Like for nineteen eighty eight, that was pretty. Holy shit! That's <laughs> I can see people getting really mad about that, but this is a. Uh, uh, in, in, to spice up their sex life, they start having sex. Uh, no, it's Darcy. no. Uh, so it's all see you in court, where the yeah. Bundys go stay at the Hop On In yes. place, and they are secretly, without their consent, recorded having sex. Yeah, but they, oh. they yes, and and Darcy and uh, uh yeah, what's his nuts? They're they're all recorded having sex. Yep, and uh, the both families sue the establishment for violating their privacy. A typical Married with Children episode received, on average, three to four requests for cuts and changing content. And this episode contained 15 requests <laughs> to change their content. For like a 21-minute show. Yeah. And, 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 and I, the writer said in an interview, it's like, it, you know, it probably deserved to be lost because, like, we didn't really know how to... They were try, like trying to make this episode for like two years in conjunction with the censors and didn't, they don't feel it like it didn't really come out well. Like <laughs> we should have just abandoned this altogether. But it is fascinating that like, you know, 12 years later, FX is like, we don't give a shit. We'll totally play this. Yeah. Are you kidding? Mm-hmm. Married with Children does great in our ratings. We're FX. We're not, we don't have any shows yet. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. Odyssey 5 also debuts this week on some uh- channel. This is a television sci-fi show. Astronauts uh, see the Earth destroyed, but are sent back in time five years to their previous bodies. Mm-hmm. So, like the twenty-three-year-old astronaut now finds himself a seventeen-year-old in high school again, and they have to try to uh, stop what destroys the planet. Uh, the show ends on an unresolved cliffhanger. Ah. And then we also have a Street Time, a show I've never heard of on Showtime. Uh, yeah, another forgotten Showtime film. Mm-hmm. There's no audience for this today. Uh, Kevin Hunter is a parolee trying to get his life back on track, and his parole officer is fighting his own demons. And lastly, Monster Garage, perhaps the biggest success of the week debuts. Yeah, actually, yeah. yes, yes, it's yeah. a huge success. Uh, five people have seven days and three thousand dollars to turn a car into a monster machine. 
so they did yeah. things like turn an ambulance into a wheelie demon and a police car into a donut shop. It didn't generate enough 2010s memes as uh, exhibits. Sorry. Yeah, mm. I always like Monster Garage more than Pimp My Ride, even if it contains Jesse James, who's a piece of shit. But hold on, uh, what what if? Mm -hmm. Hey Diana, I heard you like Monster Garage, so <laughs> I exhibit. <laughs> Don't need to finish that joke. Ah, uh, yeah. Is anyone who is tangentially related to neo Nazis involved? Then maybe no. Is that a, is that a thing? Uh, yeah, uh, let's just let's just go with what I can prove, which is he broke Sandra Bullock's heart. That was mean. That was mean. Uh, thank God George uh, Lopez was there. Why do I know this? Uh, yeah, but yeah, Monster Garage was super fun. It was just uh, and and I I learned weird things like how how you get nuts out of trees is this me? device that has like an umbrella under it. It's it's like a reverse umbrella you put under a tree, and then this thing that shakes the tree really hard, and Ooh. they like built one out of like an El Camino or something. I love it. <laughs> nice. I love it. And then uh, lastly for 2002, because we're not done yet. Uh, video games Wipeout Fusion. One of the only Wipeout games I didn't play on PS2. Ridiculously fast with a focus on weaponry. I mean, yeah, that's Wipeout. Uh, Disney Stitch. Experiment 626 on PS2. Kind this of an astounding amount of games for Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, there's a ton of them. And this is a prequel to the film. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, oh, right. It would eventually be retconned out of Lilo and Stitch canon, however. Oh, god damn it. And, and is this the debut of Shantae on GBC? It mm -hmm. is. Wow. Okay. Now, I did want to talk about this a little bit because uh, the Game Boy Color is an 8-bit system. And Shantae, I would say, is the very last non-retro great 8-bit game yeah okay the famicon came out in 83 development on games for it began in 82 so we're talking about 20 a 20-year yeah. period of 8-bit games that is something i don't think we're gonna see ever 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 again and shante is bringing every 8-bit track to the table you know i was talking in the last segment how they were using them in 1992 but they've had 10 more years to get every morsel of power out of this weak weak system and this is such a fun platformer oh, yeah. having metroidvania elements uh really good color for the game boy color like remarkably soul uh, fantastic dungeons that all use Shantae's transformation mechanics. This is a excellent send-off to the 20-year-old 8-bit era. Great. And it's it's uh, created by WayForward uh, and published by Capcom, two companies I've worked with. And somehow, it happens sometimes, but Capcom didn't own the character and eventually... People started, it took a long time to discover Shantae, I think, for a lot of people. I would say emulation helped out quite a bit. And like, what is it? Like, almost 10 years later, WayForward's like, we're going to make another Shantae. And they've been making them ever since. You, I found a Shantae thing in a Best Buy, like a figure. Like, it's, she's just part of gaming now. And like, uh, took a while to be part of mainstream gaming. But Shantae, yeah, Shantae has had several successful crowdfunding projects and has been on every system available for the last 20 years. So are you saying Shantae should stay and not sashay away? I'm going to pretend I'm really cool and got that. 
Um, but Diana, tell people what that was for the people who didn't. That's like, <laughs> from RuPaul's Drag Race. I know, I know. She says it every week. I know. I remember. The only, I think. I think of the way Shantae RuPaul saying Shantae every time I hear the name. Uh, also, out Stuntman on PS2, one of my favorites. Uh, kind of unloved series. This is a unique game. It's awesome. Uh, you don't get any power ups. You don't get any combo breaks. Your sole goal is to do what the director tells you to do. Mm-hmm. The stunt you are assigned in the time you are given without crashing your car. It's unique and it draws heavily on Burt Reynolds Hooper. Yes. And you have a bunch well, of like scenes. All Hal Needham like, stuff. It's all yeah. un- basically, Diana, what you're doing is recreating movie stunts. Unlicensed, famous car-based movie stunts. You got to hit the ramp at this speed, tip the car over, get it to drag past this. So your your goal is to wreck correctly, and <laughs> so it's just it once the, as the series moved forward, the restarts got faster and the goals got bigger. Like it was really fun. I just I, I don't think it found an audience, but I love the stuntman series. And yeah, you get to recreate basically the Dukes of Hazard, and then on the next stage you're on a John Woo movie. It's it's really interesting yeah. for film buffs. Yeah, cool. yeah, because yeah, they can't use any of the names or the names of the but films, you know but you know, you know what they're doing. I I think I wrote a whole article like this is what this is referencing. Oh, nobody cares about this game. Great, this isn't traffic at all. Um, and <laughs> glad I don't have to think about that anymore. Uh, and then back to video games after over twenty years. Mike Tyson's heavyweight boxing on PS2. It's yeah, a- trying to. Comp- capture that punch out magic but 1987 was a while ago and that game has better controls than this game (laughs) bad (laughs) controls on a boxing game Uh, just throw in the towel at that point man yeah yeah and and even more fun batman news comic books the widely acclaimed acclaimed batman hush storyline began in um uh, batman 604 uh by jeff Loeb and jim lee and yeah, it, it, it's 20 years ago, but like, uh, speaking of misused Batman characters that came back this year, mm-hmm. this is all sort of revealed to be the Riddler doing all this shit, yeah. who has, the Riddler kind of got, you know, I think he was a little too similar to the Joker, depending on where you read him, and just wasn't really used. I haven't read a ton of comics with the Riddler in it, and this is... He's got a fundamental problem. What if we have a criminal with all the powers of a regular criminal, but he's easier to catch. He's easier to catch. Uh, he's he's more predictable than the Joker. Um, they they both like their silly. They, yeah, they both use riddles, don't they? All right, and uh, dress like old timey nineteen forties people. All right, uh, but yeah, Bat- that was Batman Hush was a really interesting story and has a pretty good adaptation. Uh, DC animated a few years ago, I think. Uh, and uh, read it if you can. And let's close the fuck out of this segment with Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride uh, from Lilo and Stitch. By the way, another thing, the soundtrack. I don't think any Disney movie had had a real song in it before Lilo and Stitch, or like a a pre-existing song. Mm, Um, Yeah, it's got a lot of Elvis in it. Yeah, there's a lot of Elvis in Lilo and Stitch. That hadn't really happened before. They instead would much rather pay Phil Collins millions of dollars to make new shit. Uh, but we'll close that with Hawaiian roller coaster ride. Oh, you did this on purpose, didn't you? I uh, did. Mark, give him credit. Kali Ho Amalu and no, Kamehameha. Uh, no, Hawaiian is one of the easier things to read out because it's one of those where you just say every single letter. So, right. Mark, Kali'i, the apostrophe means a little pause. Kali'i Ho Amalu 
and the Kamehameha Schools Children's Chorus. Kamehameha. Yes, we'll close that with that. Like the the anime thing, Kamehameha. And I'll find a way to get revenge on Diana when we get back (laughs) to talk about 2012. So stay right there. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. But I want to talk about good cartoons. Talk, talk about, about a good cartoon, a good yeah. experience, a movie I have seen three times. What? What? I've seen three times. Yeah, I've seen it twice already. Uh, that's Chippendale Rescue. What the fuck? I, I'm supposed to be the, like the diehard here. Jesus Christ. It, it is, I, does seem like a movie custom made for you though, Chris, because it's like yeah. the sequel to Roger Rabbit. We never it is. It is Roger Rabbit. And I, I don't say this with cynicism. It's Roger Rabbit for uh, millennials and Gen Xers. Uh, yeah. and, and, and just because like, you know, I didn't want to spoil things for Michael. I was just like trying to say like, you're not going to see Mickey. And you're not going to see Donald, really. But, like, dude, there's schnookums in meat in the end credits, for fuck's sake. I don't think that's been acknowledged by Disney in any way ever. But there's, like, they're just, boom, there in the end. It's fucking crazy. It, it, uh, some of those cameos that they got and the, so, yeah. Randy Marsh is in a... Randy Marsh is, Randy in Marsh a fucking, is chilling in a sauna. In a, in a sauna room. I was... I, I got... With uh, two of the three little pigs. <laughs> Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of June 17th through 23rd, we're going to take a little break from the amazing summer of 1982 to talk about the amazing summer of 1972. So turning 50 this week is Junior Bonner, starring Steve McQueen, Robert Preston, Joe Don Baker, and Ida Lupino, which might be the nicest, friendliest Sam Peckinpah movie ever made. There are no other nice, friendly Sam Peckinpah movies. I guess Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia is friendly if you're not Alfredo Garcia. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Junior Bonner is about a rodeo rider, but it's he's long in the tooth, but it's actually kind of a family comedy, and it has, like, a lot of heart, and it's pretty warm and, and nice, and Steve McQueen gives a real strong performance, so a lot of folks who like westerns kind of skip it, and they shouldn't. It's, it's wonderful. And then, the opposite of nice from a director, the last great Hitchcock film turns 50 this week, Frenzy from 1972, which is a glimpse into what Hitchcock would have been like if he wasn't working under the censorship codes of the 30s and 40s, because this gets mean. It is king of all trigger warnings. There is a a graphic scene of sexual assault and murder in it. It is about a serial killer who attacks women, and then uh, another guy is like mistaken for him, and he's got to go on the run because it's a Hitchcock film. There's always the wrongfully accused having to run around. He has to outrun the cops while also trying to stop his the murderer, who he realizes is his friend. There's these weird bits with the cop and his wife, who keeps there's these odd comedy bits where his wife keeps trying to cook hook cuisine, and it turns out horribly in the middle of this like 
brutal serial killer movie, but it has some amazing sequences. The, the brutality of the attack is really something, but it also in some ways needs to be there because that's the first time we, we see this attack. And then later when we see this guy like with a woman and then he closes the door and the camera is like locked out behind the door. Now we're imagining how horrible it is. And it's like so much worse. So yeah, Frenzy from 1972, pretty brutal movie from Hitchcock, a guy who was working in the silent era. And I think his last truly great work. So yeah, recommend, but obviously massive trigger warning. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Your stare was holding, red sheen skin was showing, hot night wind was blowing. Where you think you're going, baby? Hey, I just met you. Man, coming into 2012 with Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen. It's number one. And not to prolong our magic, when we say the show brings you back to a certain place in time. <laughs> I I remember we were covering E3 in Los Angeles. Remember that? Uh, maybe it'll exist again. And I'm in a hotel and I go out on a balcony and I hear Call Me Maybe from at different points in the song in five different directions that is <laughs> that is the most i like seeing this this song is really fucking popular holy shit uh it's coming it's the foolish by ashanti of its time we're gonna have it as number one for literal surround sound of that person in the gas station that old woman driving by everybody is listening to call me maybe um, it's so catchy mm-hmm uh, 2012, January 17th to the 23rd, uh, we had other music releases such as Evolution by Blood on the Dance Floor, The Bravest Man in the Universe by, uh, uh, by the, the 27th and, and final album of Bobby Womack. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, across the, across 110th Street. Street. Yeah. Uh, The View from the Bottom by Lit, um, uh, Oceana by Smashing Pumpkins, Overexposed by Maroon 5, and Apple, the, uh, Idler Wheel, which is on Rolling Stone's best 500 albums of all time. I'm just glad it wasn't her like 700 word album. Um, <laughs> when I made you read the whole thing. <laughs> Oof. Uh, 2012 news to let you know what's happening in the world around this time. And man, this is really indicative of how much more plugged in we are. Because usually, usually this news this this news may not have made mainstream news 30 years ago. A man is beheaded uh, for witchcraft and sorcery in Saudi Arabia. Yep, he was found in possession of talismans and beheaded for witchcraft. And I tried to research this a little more on YouTube, and the first hit was a video in favor of it and saying why other nations in the Middle East need to follow it. Uh, JR, this dude did that shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a terrible thing to say. Uh, what is this, the fucking... Fucking early 80s? Jesus, Saudi Arabia. I was uh, going to say, they finally got that mind freak asshole. <laughs> uh, 76 no, monks are hospitalized in Thailand following an attack of a swarm of bees. Oh this God. is like the start of a horror movie because <laughs> the hives were kept at the monk's temple and had never posed a threat previously. And no one knows why the bees suddenly got provoked and just started attacking all the monks. Oh, and they're nonviolent, uh, so they can't even fight back. 19 uh, went into a serious critical condition at the hospital Jesus. and six went into comas. Oh my wow. God. It's the start of a horror movie. The bees are attacking, yo. Yeah. I've or, seen or the, the swarm. Or the and end if of I my girl. Quote, <laughs> if I can quote Michael Caine, I never thought 
it would be the bees. They've always <laughs> been our friends. I never thought it would be the bees. I just got to do it like Michael Caine. I can't uh, do it, so I just have to say it. You can do it, Diana. You've always been able to do it. Uh, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange this week is also is moved into the Ecuadorian embassy in London to avoid Swedish sex. Swedish. I've had one beer. Swedish <laughs> sexual assault charges. Good lord. And he's there for seven fucking years. Yeah. Yep. Somehow skateboards and dates Pamela Anderson all the all all the live long. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. He says he 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 doesn't want to go because Sweden has a these are his words very very poor judicial system a culture of crazed radical feminist ideology and Sweden is the Saudi Arabia of feminism. Again, his words. Uh. All of Scandinavia, they like 20 years is the maximum you can do, including that piece of shit that shot like 20 children. Yeah. He's going to get out in 20 years. If anywhere in the world to go to jail, it's Scandinavia. Yeah. yeah they look that, better than my dorm room. Yeah. They're all in like <laughs> islands and have pictures, recording yeah. studios in them and full kitchens. Brace your interests. Uh, yeah. I'm not against this. Moving on to the movies of 2012, uh, January 17th to the 23rd. Uh, Melanie Linsky, Derek Luke, uh, Adam Brody, Connie Britton, Kira Knightley, and Steve Carell seeking a friend at the end of the world. So in most apocalyptic movies, the apocalypse doesn't happen. It's averted or stopped or the humanity's saved. This is not that film. And it lets you know from the very beginning, this is humanity's Kobimashi Maru you know, we're all dead. Uh, so a 70-mile asteroid mm -hmm. is heading towards Earth. The last-ditch effort to stop it fails at the first one minute of the movie. Nothing can stop it at this point. I Googled this. To exterminate all life on Earth, a 60-mile-wide asteroid is enough. So we're talking about plankton. This sucker is going to exterminate plankton so <laughs> us bipedal apes don't have a freaking chance in this scenario mm -mm. we are all dead and i'm gonna read an excerpt from roger ebert's review if he were told the world were ending tomorrow martin luther once said he would plant a tree warner herzog would start a film in seeking a friend for the end of the world steve Carroll plays an insurance insurance salesman but finds little point in selling whole life policy to me even worse than this catastrophe would be the foreknowledge of it to die is one thing how much worse to know that all life that ever existed on this planet and all it ever achieved was to be obliterated dodge alone and lonely in his apartment unexpectedly finds himself caring for a dog that's when i realized what i would do if i knew the world would was ending i would find a homeless dog with puppies and be calmed by her optimism and roger ebert wrote that at a time when he was very sick yeah. and only had about 10 months left to live oh yeah i this was i it flawed but really charming mm -hmm. and that it's not quite a comedy but it's definitely not a drama yeah it's, it's like, a mumble comedy mm -hmm. comedy yeah where yeah. it's yeah the the world is ending um, things are not going well in Steve Carell's relationship with his wife, played by his actual wife, Nancy Wall. And, uh, and society is breaking down, but in often just like, well, everyone just starts fucking. 
kind of was like there's a lot of truth to this movie honestly (laughs) if we were all doomed the cockroaches are doomed we have no hope i saw a lot in this film that feels real to me like there's this scene in the very beginning where this uh upper middle class couple is throwing this party and it's like oh the Johnsons brought heroin. Come on, everyone. Let's try heroin. Because <laughs> yeah. why be not? Why not? The world is ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and- absolutely. Orgies are going to break yeah. out. Murders and suicides are going to break out. Some people are just going to start driving and never come back. They're just, who knows? And then, yeah, and then you will have those stories of people like who show really up good. to their job every day right up until the end. I don't know yeah. what else to do. I- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. Uh, well, everyone in this film has different ways of coping with the existential dread. Some of it's denialism, which I think is what going to the job is in that case. Yeah. Some is pure hedonism. Some want to commit suicide because they don't want to see it. Um, and those all feel real to me. Uh, in my experience, I think people become more themselves when they become aware of the utter reality that we are all doomed to die Mm. you know there is a comet coming for every one of us every one of us has a very finite lifespan and it's gonna end and we all have to come to terms with that and if you want to get even bigger than that our society will end i have no idea when every other society in history has ended at some point there's no reason not to suppose ours won't And if you want to go far enough, all the atoms in the universe are going to decay someday into nothingness. Mm. So this is going to happen. How do you deal with your emotions of the end of not just yourself, but everything you hold dear? I think I would handle it pretty well, but JR, I don't have kids. I don't know how someone with kids would handle yeah, it. Yeah, I'm thinking yeah. Vicodin and champagne. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Let's party. Yeah. Can we get some fentanyl, those fentanyl patches, and put like a hundred of them on me, and I'll just lay on the roof and I wave will, high as the asteroid comes. I will <laughs> do. I will do. Which, as of this week, I didn't know was on my bucket list. But thanks to Rudy Giuliani, I realize I've always wanted to be hammered in the White House. <laughs> <laughs> Please let me get drunk in the White House. Oh no! So, <laughs> make make your standards higher. Go Willie Nelson. Get high on the roof of the White there House. There you go. There Come you go. on, don't emulate Rudy. There you go. I'm going <laughs> yeah. to suck the Pope's dick. That's... <laughs> sure. <laughs> with consent. Um, yeah, yeah uh, and, and it's so... played well with uh, for me having just watched Melancholia, you know, within a couple months <laughs> of like, that's, they're, they're contemplating the same things, but in incredibly different ways. It's like, yeah, yeah it's, how are we going to do it? The, the film this most reminds me of is Miracle Mile. Oh, oh yeah. good call. Yeah, that's another that's forgotten good. film where it yeah, ends in it. death. And yeah. you have to be in the right mood for this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no escape hatch from this apocalypse. There's no false hope, you know. And that takes a certain Whoa. point of view to be ready to watch that as no, opposed to your Armageddon's where everything's You safe. just made me think of, um, what was that movie nominated for an Oscar this year? Don't Look Up. Don't look up. Oh, yeah. 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 Which had similar, it wasn't what the movie was about, but the, the, the last bit of it was about those moments. Like, what do you do? Yeah. yeah. What, how do you, how do you want to go? 
and yeah and i yeah. uh so yeah having kids would be different yeah uh, i've got to protect the them for their future which is like 15 more minutes so yeah <laughs> yeah so i would try to make their last moments as happy as i can yeah. um there there's limits on what that can do though you know they're both old enough that they could understand the world would ending and i have no idea how i could make their moments happy after that but i'd sure try mm. yeah see so. i want to become immortal not because i don't want to die but because i want to live long enough to see the sun start turning into a red giant that'd be cool that yeah. would be really cool eventually it will grow so big that it will absorb the earth and all the inner planets with it i do have an answer i would move into disneyland whether it was functional or not. Yeah. I, I would have loved to do a scene, a film in this, a uh, scene in this film where people are just raving at Disney World. And that those, those awesome. cast members and fans are so nuts. I bet people would be operating shit up until the very end. I got to get this <laughs> pin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I were, for in some ways, yes, I'd be like, this is a service. I am giving people their last happy memories. Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah, totally. i'm running the matterhorn yeah i could get into that i don't know mindset. if you've you yeah. talked to the oh. the cast members that there are some find an older person and they're like like true believers about whatever this is it's very it's mm -hmm. it's strange and comforting so yes i bet they would stick it out <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, i move so, back all the song of the south characters back into slash <laughs> <No! laughs> i uh I got struck with three chronic illnesses all at the same time. Mm. And uh, when that happened, I started getting into Stoic philosophy. And Epicurus had the point of view that it is the fear of death that is holding people back. And that if you can accept the reality of death with no hope of your continuity of consciousness, you can finally achieve peace and happiness. Because if nothing you do will ever have meaning, then you decide what meaning whatever you do has. You should have said that like Yoda. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're... So yeah. while, while huh. JR is going to bring deeper thoughts into this, I'll tell you my experience with this movie, which was uh -huh. trying to watch it a few years ago. And I just, oh, it's, I've always wanted to see this. It's like Steve Carell's first post office movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I, it was in the middle. And then, oh, Gillian uh, Jacobs shows up from Community. Great. And then gets topless. And I was just like, oh, I didn't expect that reaction. Like, I don't want to see Britney. Just like my sister. Fuck this. And I changed the channel. And, I, and I'm like, I'm not watching that movie. It has Britta naked in it. Oh, oh. But why, why, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't be able to see comedians I like naked. This is awful. <laughs> Women, men, you. I'll enjoy seeing naked all the time. That's always what a journey we have been from the bikini car. Right, wash. right. Like, oh, because <laughs> whenever I see that, like, when you know, my every girl I've ever dated puts on Love Actually and Laura Linney takes her shirt up. I'm like, there's just no reason for that. Those are nice, <laughs> but I, why did they make her do that? Oh, don't like. Uh, uh, so anyway, anyway, seeking yeah. a friend for the end of the world. Uh, uh, this I, is uh, my recommend of the week. I highly totally recommend it. It's I found a it a lot to say. I, I found it a little uneven at parts, but generally, like, wow, that was pretty damn interesting. And See, I went in it with not, the mind, not Sorry. like crushingly depressing or anything. Obviously, mm -hmm. yeah, the end of the world is is very sad. You know, like yeah, the end of Don't Look Up fucking killed me, but. This was like, yeah, it, it's taking a different tack in a way that I haven't really seen. Yes. The film does cut from happy to sad and happy to sad. And I could totally get why that would be jarring. 
But I also think that's exactly what the end of the world would be like right. because yeah. you would be desperate to put the sadness out of your mind with whatever happiness you could find. But then it would seep its way back in just because of the nature of what you are in. And a comet is particularly scary because it's out there and it's something we have no control over. Yeah. Uh, and it may not kill chips. you immediately. <laughs> you just have yes. to sit there and endure. No. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you survive, yeah, you're fucked. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. it would be worse to survive. Chick Sulub, the comet that destroyed the dinosaurs, um, killed 99.9% .9 of all individual organisms. So a smaller percentage of species, but Every animal larger than 50 pounds died in that. Mm -hmm. mm. And luckily, Jesus was just a baby. I know my body. Yeah. My dog weighs 13 pounds and he's a <laughs> chihuahua and they're mean. So he's fine. Okay. He's fine. <laughs> Steve will survive. But yeah, this movie, I'm going to say it is, has, it doesn't pull away from the ending. If they would have gone with a last minute Deus Ex Machina, it would have ruined the entire film. They don't. Yep. It's exactly what it says on the title. And it is as life-affirming as an extinction event can be. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay. All right. Moving you know on. what makes me angry? This movie. When a movie needs to be batshit crazy. Yeah. And it is not. Yeah. Batman mm. Returns did not need to be batshit crazy, but it is. And we're all the better for it. <laughs> Now let's talk about a movie that should have been batshit crazy and is not. Yeah. Yes. And it's not fair. It's, it's, I find this, oh, Rufus Sewell, Elizabeth Winstead, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, not the creator of The Daily Show, uh, Anthony Mackie, uh, Dominic Cooper, Benjamin Walker, and Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. I was just a boy. My mother was murdered. Whatever history remembers of me, it shall be only a fraction of the truth. So you're the one who's slain so many of my subjects. There is a war coming. This war will decide whether this nation belongs to the living or the dead. <sighs> Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Like, it just, just, look. People who don't like the idea of, you know, action-based pseudo-history, whatever this is. That's not me. I, I wanted this to be fun. I mm. wanted this to be good and crazy and nutty. And I've heard the book is a lot of fun. The movie is weirdly like taking it seriously. And it's not that it's playing it seriously, because that's what you have to do to right. make something over the top is take everything real serious. There's just a lot of very serious conversations going on <laughs> when there really needs to be anti-vampire machine guns. <laughs> If you're if you're doing something this ludicrous and stupid, where do you draw the line? And it's all it's just like it it I didn't I hate I hate this kind of shit. Pride and prejudice and zombies kind of shit. I hate that shit. It'll never be as interesting as the shit you say in your head. And it, it definitely <laughs> will not be entertaining for 90 minutes. And and that that's how this that's how this read to me. And but what I I find really disappointing. If, if I, as a, you know, a big film fan, if I had to move my chips onto who I thought was going to be one of our great filmmakers, it would have been, oh, I had to look up his name and I can't even say it. Russian Timur. film. Timur Bekmabetov. Bekmabetov. Yeah. 
Bek Mambatov. If you yeah. didn't see the movie Night Watch, which is, became like the highest grossing movie in Russia, I think it outgrossed like Return of the King that year, movie about transmogrifying vampires, it is visually astounding. If you didn't see the movie Wanted, which is mm-hmm. pretty fucking good. I, that is the kind of over the top yes, I was looking for. Yes. And that, but yeah, you may know it. You may not have seen Wanted, but you've seen that. An animated gif of James McAvoy fanning himself, like that's from that film. Uh, or hitting Chris Pratt in the face with a keyboard. Yes. It, the, and then the, the letters the keys fly off, fly off and say, fuck, fuck you, into the camera. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful, hilarious, like just totally enjoyable. And then he ends up in this, where it just, I'm just, I gotta say, I'm getting like Morbius vibes. Like, wouldn't it be hilarious if we really released Morbius back in theaters? <laughs> Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter gives me like those creepy vibes. Like, no. Old men, when you do this, it's not going to be funny. It's not. Tim Burton, producer, um, mm. <laughs> you you don't know why this is funny. You don't know how to make this funny on film. And I, all the reviews are bad, and I just hate, I hated the idea of it. Especially, again, one of I think one of the more visually interesting filmmakers. You know, maybe we don't want to talk great about Russian filmmakers right now, but whatever. I thought I, yeah. if you never seen Nightwatch, oh, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It, it, He's not the one who ordered an invasion of Ukraine. Leave the man alone. Nightwatch yeah. is crazy, <laughs> like unbelievably weird and fun to look at. And uh, when you, th- it's like one of those things where you think they can't do anything interesting with CG, and like, oh fuck, <laughs> I didn't expect any of that. That guy ran at this girl and then became a tiger, and bounced off the wall, and <laughs> fell onto the stove. This is amazing. <laughs> this has yeah. one or two set pieces where it's like we're almost there. Mm-hmm. We're almost to the level of crazy that I wanted. We're yeah. almost to the um, level of crazy that I wanted. And they spent so much time on like h- him getting a girlfriend. Uh-huh. Like, like I love the idea because <sighs> Abraham Lincoln had so many people die horribly in his life before yeah, he died horribly. He did. The idea that, no, it wasn't TB <laughs> killing everybody. It was vampires. Sure. I love yeah. it. Go crazy. They don't. Yeah. The author came up with the idea when it was the bicentennial of Lincoln's birth. He went to a bookstore and he saw a biography of Abraham Lincoln and directly to the right of that biography was a copy of Twilight. Uh, I I still negate the fact that this is not even an idea. This is an idea all of us have all the time and don't follow through with. Somebody follow through. I I think you could actually do something very interesting with tying in slave owning with vampirism okay. where's the yeah, idea of you are sucking the lifeblood out of other humans to benefit yourself mm. i think i saw you get could out do something with that uh yeah but I, I something about this like offended me and still does um and i don't want anything to do with this like smarmy poorly thought out snark uh yeah. and, 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 and then my, my big... if it were less snarky and more what the hell am I looking at? Uh, and I'd be happy. I mean, you, you got to throw the crank guys at it. Do something. Yeah. God it. damn it. Um, so angry. And perhaps, I think this is like my first real big disappointment from this company. Well, was it because it was a different movie than you were expecting? Because it, I am really glad that JR grabbed something to it, address that bear yeah, in the room yes and, and, and then, uh robbie coltrane craig ferguson kevin mckidd emma thompson billy Connolly, julie waters and kelly mcdonald in brave each clan will present a suitor to compete in the games for your hand uh, i'll be shooting for my own hand the 
Force means war! Are you willing to pay the price your freedom will cost? Something's not right. Our fate lives within us. You only have to be brave enough to see it. Oh, Disney's brave. Brave. Pixar. Disney Pixar. Disney Pixar's brave. brave. So, yeah, it's the first Pixar movie with a female lead. Uh, mm-hmm. It's first one. It was supposed to be the first one directed so by a woman, and then she was replaced. But she says that the final product was generally in keeping with her vision. So, and and that's they didn't fuck it up too. Bad. I I did know that at the time, and Star had done that before. Wally being a good example, like Wally was marketed as like this is the last robot on Earth. In, in like See, eat. I love the swerve in Wally. Yeah. When that swerve happened in Wally, I was like, okay, movie, I am all in. Yeah. You've got me. I have no idea where we're heading right now. Up, up until I'm with you. the week Wally came out, Pixar didn't show Eve. You had no yeah. idea he'd ever meet anybody or leave the planet. And I thought that was interesting. And then I get into Brave, and like you think it's about this one thing, and then you hear about Pixar you know, spearheading its first female-led movie and then firing her in the middle of it. And you're watching the movie and it feels like it changes courses in the middle of it. Like, this <laughs> metaphor is kind of yeah. dumb. And, and this movie becomes dumb. And- okay, why a bear? Yeah. What overarching theme they was already becoming had a bear? bear? The... There's no lead up to it. Yeah. There's no lore. There's no grand. It's not even culturally symbolism. culturally s- no. synchronous. When like you it, think like, of there's... Ireland, you think of bears, right? What? No. no, no <laughs> first of all, it's Scotland. And Sorry. second of all, they do have bears. Or they, at least they used to. I don't know if they have bears anymore. Apparently everybody but does. Look at Jungle Book. They're all in there, Africa and shit. Yeah, they, they set it up a bit and that there's like the legend of this bear and it turns out, ah, it's true. And and then uh, there's a curse. But like the, the Wally trailer, they didn't show the bears in any mm-hmm. of this. Nope. In any of this, and like that felt kind of like a breach of contract. Like this is yeah. this is not the movie I thought it was going to be because it looked like it was going to be a very serious. I guess it is. Uh, yeah. It's about parental conflict. It's about children pushing boundaries and parents figuring out when to let them do so and when not to do so and then bear here's bear have fun with bear turns out mom's a bear you gotta undo that yeah i which and once that swerve happens it's not even interesting you know where it's gonna go you it's not like in wally where it's like wow i am utterly flabbergasted where this movie is gonna go i can't wait to go around oh they're a bear I wonder <laughs> if they're going to have shenanigans. <sighs> oh, the shenanigans are happening. Yeah. What a surprise. I wonder if they'll undo it at the end yep. with maybe the power of love? Question mm, mark? If people yeah. can realize certain things within themselves and reconcile that, then maybe she can not become a bear. But her being a bear is the most interesting thing about her. Shut up! Uh, she, <laughs> she's supposed oh. to be an archery champion. I guess the true gift was the bear inside of us all along. <laughs> and, and, and See, now I'm I'm glad at least it went into it became it's actually about mothers and daughters. Yeah. As that opposed to the trailer, which really made me think it's like some sort of girl power thing that's gonna turn out to be not very empowering because this is still Disney we're talking about. They made it look like she was going to be an Irish superhero. 
Scottish super. Scottish. Yeah. I yeah. did, they're, look, they're the same. Let's just say it. They <laughs> are not. They register actual Sorry, tartan I, I, with the tartan I, authority. I, also, I, there is a Scottish tartan authority. I know, and, and they're all the cast of Scottish. And I, sorry, that was a real 45th president moment of mine. Yeah. Um, I'm going to deny reality until I can anymore. Mm. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Can we play the clip about the swerve? <laughs> yeah. And no prince will want to mingle with a girl with no hit single. Your pet's hair is a disaster. That's me mother. She's a bear. The trailer was very misleading. <laughs> I came here looking for justice. Instead, I found treachery. Prepare yourself for war. Someone finally said it. See you on the killing fields, round eyes. Amen, sister. Okay, <laughs> <up. laughs> I remember. Oh. My mother is a bear. The trailer was very misleading. More. And any line in this film. Yeah. Thank you, Robot Chicken. <laughs> Thank you, Robot Chicken. Oh, I love Asian people calling white people round eyes. It's always fucking funny to me. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, yeah, this this at the time was the most disappointing Pixar movie. But as I always say, the most disappointing Pixar movie is still better than the best DreamWorks movie. <laughs> that's more for that's more for bugs than, life uh how to train your track you're right that's more for yeah. bugs life uh bugs life is great yeah and no pre i love bugs life me too it it's not bad right. by any measure you know it really is like yeah I, this is the worst orgasm i've ever had you know it's like <laughs> you're still having one though <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm getting tired I'm of these orgasms. I'm tired of this orgasm. No, this orgasm is singular. That's what makes it funnier. Oh, uh, uh. <laughs> oh, I'm getting sick of this <laughs> orgasm. God, this if orgasm. I, that's the pull quote I want on a box. If uh, uh, Nothing I've said, just what Diana just said on the back yeah, of the Yeah, where it's like, uh, it's only bad in comparison to amazing. Yeah, yeah amazing this is the This is the worst 40-carat diamond I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Like, boof. <laughs> Fucking who? Yeah. It's still watchable. It's still fun. Technologically, yeah. it's still gorgeous. Yeah. Looking. Yes. Yes. It, 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 it. I forget what it was, but Pixar had to sort of develop new technology because, like, they hadn't even dealt with humans very much. No, it, it, they like, stayed away from that for a good long time. Yeah. Now it's it's kind of you know they're kind of okay with that, but like yeah, they were staying away. Look at Sid from Toy Story and see why Pixar oh, was staying don't. away from humans. Yeah. Yeah. They look amazing and just her giant hair and watching all the different tendrils of her hair moves very realistically and yeah and you think oh some computer is working overtime to make that happen it's yeah. like yes it's it's still just gorgeous to look at but yeah as a movie it's like it's okay it, it has flourishes but like man i'm i if pixar was always so like it just to harken back on pixar being flawless like just like there's a new Pixar trailer. All is right with the world. We'll be watching an amazing movie in six months. This is mm -hmm. the first time that, like, oh, <laughs> uh, that's I guess that's well, not always going to be in the case. 2012, there was still very much the feeling animation is for kids. Mm -hmm. Asterisk, except for Pixar. Yeah, yeah, films. yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. And this made people question. That asked. Oh, that's right. It came out after Cars 2, which is fucking mm -hmm. like might actually be their worst. Um, yeah. I haven't seen Good Dinosaur because I don't want to see a real, a genuinely bad Pixar film. But you know, where I am now, like I hate it onward. Uh, Luca, I'm like, this is a turning red. 
that shit was amazing. Like, uh, yeah, wonderful. Good. So Pixar, that's the sad thing is this is the year Pixar became like everything else. You're not going to like every song. Hmm. You're not going to yeah. love every song. And I, and I tried, I tried to revisit this out of like, I guess some due diligence, but like it's, other than Cars 2, it's the first Pixar movie like I can't throw on any time and enjoy it, 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 as of 2012 because mm. I'm not watching fucking Monsters University. That's, that's, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Or Cars, mm. or Cars 3. And Finding Dory also sucks. Um, I like Finding Dory. No. Unnecessary sequel. It's unnecessary, uh, but I still like it. I, what I, I mean, I watch Coco like three times a year. I love no. Toy Story Four is yeah. shouldn't be good at all, but but yeah. Brave again. Oh no, only a thirty carat diamond, you <laughs> bastards! But again, it it just harkens back to when we thought Pixar had a magic thing, mm-hmm. and at that point we hadn't read anything negative about the company. And when this movie came out, we kind of did for the first time, and I think that probably colored my experience, especially when there was that huge swerve of like, what the fuck is this? Like. If you go into it, if you watch a trailer, like, I want to see that movie, and that movie becomes a different movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that can that can work both. And I'm just babbling now. Brave, I don't think it's terrible, but, like, uh, I don't know. What do you think, Dime? I, I love seeing yeah. Marita. Like, uh, they do hold her. She, she gets to appear with the Disney princesses now, and I, I do... Yeah. Just in the sense of like color. Oh, look at this pale white bitch with a with the, with the glowing red hair. Neat. Giant uh, hair. Looks and different. And as a curly haired uh... person, I never represented anything. <laughs> so that's nice. Was it? Oh, I guess it's Ralph Breaks the Internet, right? Where the, she's with the, the other yeah. Disney princesses no, no, but... and no one can understand a word she says. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> because right. Because it's Kelly McDonald who's actually Scottish and is an yeah. amazing actress. And they got like every. I love Craig Ferguson and Billy Connolly and, you know, good yeah. cast. Anywho, oh, yeah. we'll move on to the television of 2012. It should save us. Soul Man mm-hmm. debuts on TV Land. Is this not what? the Dan Aykroyd? No, it's not the Dan Aykroyd sitcom. It's not no, the C. Thomas no. Owl movie. Yeah. No, it is not the Tom Owl movie. Uh, so this is about a very successful R&B superstar who has a life-changing event and decides to be a minister in the midwest his Ah. family does not like the change and has to adjust to it it lasts about five seasons about five five seasons seasons. (laughs) yeah well okay it lasts five seasons all right well it's on tv land it's got cedric the entertainer and nisi nash i love both of them so i was so disappointed i had no idea she was wearing a fake ass in reno 911 until i started seeing her and all these other things like you lied (laughs) to us you lied that wasn't real you're a slender lady. Sp- <laughs> speaking of giant ass. <laughs> um, I guess I'm... A, oh, no. I, I thought this came out earlier because we covered the resurrected Beavis and Butthead that was watching Jersey Shore uh, mm. instead of music videos. And Jersey Shore... I guess it it's still on, right? But at, at this point, so. it seemed to have... It ha- it, 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 well, it had a recent season with the same cast. Uh, but I think at this point it looked like it was over and they have a spinoff Snooki and Jay Wow Dave Hughes on MTV. And I just remember that Beavis and Butthead clip. I remember when Grandma Jay Wow gave me those words to remember me by. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, makes me laugh. Remember, go listen to the old episodes. How to Be a Gentleman ends on CBS. I'm assuming uh, with politeness and grace. How many times has the odd couple been copied? You oh. know, this is. 
I, it's about a guy who writes an etiquette column. His boss says he needs to spice up the column. He hires a life coach uh, who's a fitness trainer who's sloppy. You, you can write this sitcom yourself. <sighs> there are socks in my food. <laughs> okay. Mm. Moving on to the NBA Finals. Miami Heat beats Oklahoma City. That's a real team? Oklahoma City has an NBA team? Yeah. This is the first I've heard of this. I'm not kidding. <laughs> uh, NBA, well, now MVP, I have to see how long they've been there. MVP I feel like is it's a while. Oklahoma City? All right. Uh, <laughs> is there a port there I'm not remembering? Um, and the MVP <laughs> is a guy named LeBron James who I've also never heard of. I'm just kidding. Uh-huh. I watch Space Jam 2 all the time. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder used to be the Seattle Supersonics until 2008. Does, have you heard of the Supersonics? Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> I had. I had. I had, I had an old NBA uh, uh, analog game where you shot baskets with a. Yeah. Never mind. It's like foosball. The with Blazers basketball. had such a rivalry against the Supersonics because only teams in the Northwest, right. uh, only place you could actually drive to go see each other's games. And yeah, it was sad to lose your rival. It it doesn't feel fun. It's not the same. Um, and uh, Heroes of Ru- moving into video games of 2012, uh, June 17th to the 23rd. Heroes of Ruin on 3DS, online adventure game which plays like most other adventure games, except you could play it on your 3DS, which made it totally Un- different I in would, 2012. Oh, I was going to say unplayable because there's no worse online infrastructure than in the 3DS. Holy shit, is it bad? <laughs> uh, remember how much we like Brave? Yeah, Brave is out on everything. PC, <laughs> PS3, Xbox 360, Vita, even a Vita game, Nintendo 3DS. Uh, and uh, we uh, never touched it. Civ, Civ 5, yeah, Gods and Kings is out. So Civilization 5 had the kind of start of the massive DL. DLC changes that we see in the Civilization series today. Uh, This came out and it revamped all the mechanics in a huge and massive way. Uh, Just one example, it added religion to the game. So now your civilization could create its own religion. And this was happening two years after the release of Civilization V. Most DLC comes out much quicker than that. But the Civ games are really going for the long tail. They want you to play this for at least five years, go fallow for about two, start getting itchy for it, and then be happy. That's old man Sid Meier for you. Oh, man, I'm just going to shake you by the ankles. Um, Man, also out this week, Lego Batman 2 DC Superheroes. So this has the soundtrack to Batman Returns in it, and it's lovely. Oh. Yeah. Uh, And this is the first time any Lego game had voice acting for it. It's also the first Lego game which was open world. And at this point in 2012, it has the best playable Superman in video game history. So sad. So sad. Mm. Uh, yeah. It's very sad. Superman games have always been notoriously terrible. I'm just bringing this up to plug Vigigame Apocalypse this week. I hate Lego. Angry dog. I'll say it. I sort of hate Lego games. 
that Lego Skywalker Saga game, Star Wars, is one of the best things I've ever played in my life. And Michael it, keeps coming into the room and just telling me jokes yes, from it, and then we laugh. It's <laughs> it's wonderful. They changed everything about it. It's not the same, like, just hit shit and collect nothing. Uh, fan service. God, I wish this was a real game. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not playing with a kid or a, a partner, so I've always... Just saying, Video Game Apocalypse this week is inspired by Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga, and I cannot wait to talk more about that, so tune in this Friday. Um, I love this. Steel Battle Lion, Steel Battalion, Heavy Armor on Xbox 360. Did you love this version, or did you love the original? N- 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 neither, neither. But I love, Diana okay. doesn't know this, so it's, it'll be fun to tell her. Uh, Steel Battalion was a Capcom game that came with a required-to-play 200 button controller that you could set up like on a table what? multiple joysticks it's, it's a mech game so you're inside it of was a mech pretty much the biggest home controller of all yes. time and it you know obviously a bit of a failure because it was pretty unaffordable and like the game was apparently all right so years later they come out with the connect and it's like oh we can do more things with gesturing than we could with the buttons on a controller uh and Dave, former 302010 host. Dave, I remember, always loved all Kinect games. And I'm like, why? And then we discovered, like, oh, you have the perfect apartment lighting space for a Kinect. But, like, I remember when <laughs> they were devving Kinects, they found this is maybe me speculating. And, like, they, they, they were developing Kinect to compete with the Wii. And then they realized, like, uh, we can't map every human, and these children are reading as parts portions of legs so it was just like a shitty way to control things but dave loved the dave is the if you look this up on uh on uh metacritic or the other one dave is the highest review score for steel battle battle lion heavy armor by almost 50 percent because <laughs> dave has a, a loves connect games and had the ideal environment for them and he ended up showing me a bunch of great games i had shrugged off because I didn't have a good connect department. Um, but that always makes me laugh. Uh, and this is, oh, I think I'm like, I mean, this is like, I did, I, I am at that company that released the game next week, I think, <laughs> working there. Um, and then Quantic Conundrum on Wii. Is that just a port? I can't remember what Quantic Conundrum is. Uh, on What If Portal, but it sucked. It no. was made by the lead designer of Portal. But it doesn't have any of the memorable things like cake or aperture no, it's, it's, or GLaDOS. It's all right, and it lacks some humor, but it also tries to make that experience like a really long game, which is like not yeah. what Portal has ever been. It's a very it's short. It's a try-hard game, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, it wears out its welcome pretty quickly, um, even, even though Portal is over in 30 minutes. So, <laughs> um, And then, uh, yeah, we're going to tell you who died, and we're going to have a quiz you can play along on who lived during this period. I actually beat Diana for the first time in, uh, I don't know, in a long yeah, I time. Think, I think we're two and two. Two and two? All right. Yeah, I'll have to, I'm try to keep track of that. I'll have to check the wiki that I'm supposed to up, uh, pretend to be the <laughs> – got to be the admin for. Um, but uh, we want to get some plugs out there, listen to Laser Time – uh, support our Patreon, patreon.com slash laser time. We will have a show up this week. Uh, probably more than one show up this week on the Patreon, but I really want to get that ET thing out there because like we, we had our long ET love fest and the internet kind of got on board like as of Sunday 
Like, no, no, no. We were ready to do this before everybody else. <laughs> E.T.'s the shit. Uh, it's not, like I always say, it's not my favorite movie, but it is a fucking perfect movie. It is delightful every time you watch it. And uh, uh, Video, Video Game Apocalypse this week is going to have one of our stupidest topics ever re- related to stupid Lego Star Wars games. Um, it's going to be madness. I think Chris Baker's on. I always love it when he's on. And uh, yeah, we have a bonus time up now talking about, I just love talking about that new Kids in the Hall show, man. I hope it gets renewed. Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers, great. We got to do one about Stranger yeah. Things and how fun that is. That was such a fun season. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and uh, Diana, where can people find you? They can find me on the Twitter at listenernerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. Coming up next week, we got some odds and sods in 92 and 2002. <laughs> odds and but- sods. Uh, well, shut up. But 2012, <laughs> like I had to go back and double check because, like, this is too packed. We have too much to talk is about. Cool? I make sure these dates are right. Uh, we're talking about uh, a Best Picture nominee that takes place, I believe, in Louisiana. Mm. We got uh, Wes Anderson going camping. We got Seth MacFarlane uh, voicing a cartoon bear. Cartoon is so like, Bad Lieutenant's uh, Cleveland show. Um... <laughs> No. He did voice a cartoon bear in the Cleveland he show. Did Give voice credit. Bears. That is true. I'm All giving right. you fake clues. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're also going to watch Channing Tatum become the buff dancing swan. We always <laughs> knew he could. Uh, yeah. yeah, listen to Lizzie's band. She's got some new songs out. Uh, Teens in Trouble. Check that out. Just throw oh, yeah, more plugs to Lizzie. Yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. JR, what about you? Uh, I am taking a sabbatical from social media, but if you want to Tweet me at J-R-R-A-L-L-S on the Twitters. I will respond to it in early August. If he can make it. I don't think he can make it. Um... It's awesome. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> digging it, y'all. No news. I mean, I, no I've social. done it before. I've definitely yeah. done it before. But um, it's too much fun news happening right now. I'm really, really enjoying it. Uh, yeah. I am that guy in the yellow suit behind the tree wringing his hands together with everything happening on television right now. I love it. Uh, And then so, okay, Diana, who died this week? Well, in 1992, we lost Peter Allen, who's only 48. That's complications from AIDS. Uh, He was a songwriter, singer, dancer, Broadway star. That's when Hugh Jackman played, uh, won a Tony for it Mm. in Boy From Oz. Was married to Liza Minnelli because poor Liza... She just keeps marrying gay dudes. <laughs> her father was gay. Her husbands were all gay. It's it's hard to be Liza. Poor Liza. And yeah. her vertigo. Then, yeah. Uh, and then in 2002, we lost Ann Landers, a.k.a. Epi Letterer. Uh, she was 82, 83. So, sorry, she was 83. She had been writing that advice column since 1955. I only know her from the Hanukkah song. and her sister dear abby oh gosh i wonder if we're gonna get to talk about adam sandler next week again Uh, where suddenly maybe it's gonna come into a bunch of money and it's going to lift entire scenes from the original you can't remake something if you're just gonna use the same script you asshole shit they never they never took a helicopter for wendy's and then shouted out every single item on the menu in the (laughs) original you want some cocoa pebbles Anyway, continuing with dead people. In 2012, we lost Rodney King, who was 47. Uh, yeah, he uh, 
he had problems after the beating. Obviously, Obviously. he had a big drinking problem. He was picked up by the police a couple of times. And one of them once said to him, you know, your statement, can't we all just get along? That statement is going to be remembered a hundred years from now when we're all forgotten. Yeah. And I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, I hate it that that is used as a punchline. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. it is such a heartfelt plea from a man who had been greatly wronged and it has five seconds to cool a nation and kind of did like it wasn't a bad statement no but uh no he had uh yeah substance abuse problems he had heart problems he was found uh, at the bottom of a swimming pool what's really weird is 28 years to the day his father was found dead in a bathtub Mm. copycat sorry yeah only 47 (laughs) And as someone who made it a much longer time, uh, Leroy Neiman, the painter, he made it to 91. Leroy Neiman! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm making JR miserable. We were recording super late. <laughs> it might be Leroy Neiman, but I'm just saying that for the rest of my life. That's it. I'm going I'm going to ruin every modern art museum. <laughs> Neiman. Oh, goddamn. Okay. All right. Well, that brings us to the b- 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 birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly do. Turning and even 60 years old, born June 19, 1962, in San Fernando, California. Her father, Harry, is of Syrian Jewish heritage, and her mother, Lorraine, was a concert pianist who grew up as one of only two Jewish families in Mendoza, Manitoba, Canada. Ooh. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. While in high school, she appeared in a low-budget, independent musical film called Junior High School and began performing cheerleading. She would later become a Laker girl. She was a choreographer. Paula Abdul. Is Paula Abdul? It wow, is that's what I was about Abdul. to say, but I was like, is she Syrian Jewish? No. Oh, I guess she is. Yeah, Abdul. Awesome. Ninja yeah. Turtle uh, choreographer. The yeah. the rest of the hints I was going to give was she was a choreographer in the following movies we've talked about. Can't Buy Me Love, where she makes a cameo as an uncredited dancer. The Running Man, Coming yes. to America. Oh, Big. the dance number, right? Yeah. Yeah. Big, Jerry Maguire, American Beauty. Uh, albums of hers are Forever Your Girl and Spellbound. And then Bye-bology. I was going to – if you hadn't got it by that, I was going to say in 1989, she appeared in a music video alongside MC Scat Cat. And yep. in Chippendales and- Rescue Rangers. Yep. yep, and we talked about the beginning of American Idol last week. Last week, yep. And just – Perfectly on time, American Idol alumni became an EGOT this week. Oh, which Hudson? one? Jennifer Hudson. Mm, nice. Who only made it to like seventh place on American Idol. And she's an EGOT now, bitches. Yeah. I mean, I'm almost yeah. there. I'm just four away. Uh-huh. And- <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, if I can get one a decade before I die, I should be all right. Gotta get I talented. Gotta get so. talented. Patreon.com slash later time. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. We got a bunch of fun stuff for you there. Please give us five bucks. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, my car sucks right now. 
Uh, and we're going to close out with Face to Face by Susie and the Banshees from the Batman Returns soundtrack. This is another one of these. They're just letting him do whatever. It's like, oh, well, we want to have a soundtrack album. I mean, geez, the Batman album with Prince was amazing. We got to have another one of those. I want Susie and the Banshees and no one else for one song, and that's <laughs> it. And they fucking let him? Such power. That's uh, such power. What what can you do with the man that repels hair conditioning? Tim Burton, man. He's uh, right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Patreon.com slash laser time. Take us out, Susie and your banshees. We'll see you next week. Uh-huh.